Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And here comes the money, because this episode is about uh, how to Shane McMahon. However, once again, I'm resident explainer of wrestle to the resident explainee of wrestle. Uh, I'm Kevin Mann, joined alongside, as I'm always, my partner in crime, Joe Graham. I won't say howdy. Howdy. How to d You want to <laughs> get that hashtag branding nice and hashtag strong. You know? Yeah, that gimmick fell flat on its face pretty much as soon as I started it. What, going for the uh, Native American gimmick of saying how at the start instead of saying hi? As if I'd do anything like that. <laughs> Come on now. Well, it's wrestling. I mean, it's expected at some point they have to do some sort of derogatory <laughs> gimmick like that. Um, this is a very exciting episode, is it not? I think this is a particularly exciting episode for a few reasons. One, it's it's nice to cover a wrestler that is both a, an older era of, yeah. of wrestler but also someone who's currently on the roster so the new and current fans can listen along and be like huh. find out a little bit more about the uh, the handsome grey-haired hunk who's been on your tv screens these that past guy. few months <laughs> what's he doing <laughs> who's that deal. who's that hunk jumping off the top of the hell in the cell why it's <laughs> shane mcmahon of course i do think it's really interesting when we've got a, a character as well who has a very interesting on-camera role as a wrestler and a character, but also as well behind the scenes because Shane McMahon, in case you're wondering at home how he got that second name, it's because he's the product of Vince McMahon's semen, in his own words. Well, that's how he says it. Don't use his own words. What, don't use a father's words to describe his beautiful boy? Not when that father is Vince McMahon. (laughs) The product of my jizz, Shane. (laughs) But um, yeah, Shane McMahon, son of Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon, lord of the realm in terms of wrestling at WWE, so. Shane is like the prince. Pretty much. Prince of the realm. Prince of the realm, boy wonder, the money, Simba, whatever you want to call him. He was the son of the boss who became a big star on camera and then a daredevil who captured all of our hearts, all the while his presumptive rise to the top became somewhat undermined and didn't work out the way it would. Because uh, I'm someone who grew up with Shane McMahon as a character when I was a kid on TV and every week they would point to him and say that's the heir apparent he's the guy who's going to be running wrestling and now there's a storyline on TV where it's like this guy has no business running wrestling (laughs) so it's obviously quite an interesting one to get into we're going to get into some matches some segments and some thoughts about Shane in just a bit but uh, it's time for a uh, important thing in this segment which is uh, an important thing you learned in wrestling this week so this week I learned in wrestling that WWE will break your heart. Not only will they break your heart, they'll like rip out your heart, set fire to it, stamp out the burning heart, yeah, and then piss on it. Yeah, to put it out. That's nice of them. Yeah. Joe has just been through her first round of releases as a fan of wrestling. How do you guys do this each year? Well, it's funny. We haven't had it for like two years. In case you're wondering at home, uh, releases basically mean people getting fired but because of the way wrestling works they say that you've been released from your contract <laughs> release the demon it's it's not so much like uh, crushing someone's career and irritating fans it seems more like you're kind of letting a some genie. or letting some hens out into a field <laughs> and kind of seeing how they make a go of it you know at the end of every release they say we wish them the best in their future endeavors right it's become like a, a catchphrase for the uh, yeah i've heard of it being referred to as future endeavoring yeah you've been future endeavored um <laughs> I, I, for one, I, I'm going to say it right now because 
at 28 years old, it's becoming less and less likely that I'm going to become a wrestler like I thought I would when I was eight. Mm. But I always thought that a kick-ass name for a finisher would have been Future Endeavours. Oh, yeah. Or it's a tag team that are called Future Endeavours. <laughs> and it's like, where everyone's gone. He's like the, a bit like the social outcast. Yeah, or I could be like, you know, a guy for the corporation comes in and, and gives someone, oh, you're going on holiday. And it's like, sunny Future Endeavours. Like, oh, God damn it. Like, you know. Or a rival wrestling group. TNA, if it ever comes back and running, can call themselves <laughs> Comes as Future, future Endeavours. Endeavours. Maybe they'll make the connection and they'll come over here. <laughs> so, a lot of releases happened this time around. Obviously, this is a time-sensitive issue. Um, if you're listening to this in the future, hello from the past, you've probably gotten over the collective releases of Hornswoggle, Zeb Coulter, Damien Sandow, Cameron, Wade Barrett, amongst others. But uh, the, the wounds are still somewhat fresh here. And I was kind of over the... I mean, I've been going through releases for a long time. <laughs> you are hardened. <laughs> the, hardened old man. <laughs> I mean, I never thought I'd get through Test being released, but you here we this are. This is bad. Oh, my God. Talk about a bandage being ripped off on Damien Sandow. It's like, I always thought, just get rid of him. It'll be better that way than watching him toil in anguish. And Whoa. How did that feel for you? It was really weird and horrible. It's really sad. I know a lot of people are taking it as a positive and I'm trying to do that. But it's difficult for me because when you first started showing me current modern roster wrestling, yeah. Damien Sandow, his whole gimmick with The Miz, where he was his stunt double. That's was, Damien Mizdow. It's Damien Mizdow then, yeah. Um, and I just thought that was the funniest thing. And that was going on when, when you started showing me wrestling. I do remember one of the moments where I truly felt like you were enjoying like it wasn't just kind of you were enjoying it because you were given a you know big chance and really trying to look out for things it was mm. just that it was entertaining you yeah and one of those moments was when Miz and Miz Dow were like fighting for the tag belts and like Miz won the match and he thought everyone was cheering for him and he raised his hands <laughs> and everyone booed and then Miz Dow raised his hands and everyone cheered and you were absolutely captivated by it and I thought that's like that for me always sums up like what the best stuff about wrestling is it's just that intangible when wrestling is funny it's it's funny in a whole other way mm. you know and yeah seeing him gone is oh it makes me sad it makes me angry as well because I know it's WWE's fault that he's not doing better on the show Imagine Joe Graham went here now watching as a wrestling fan has basically uh, just encapsulated, started watching when there was Damien Mizdow, yeah. and the rest of your time as a fan has just been watching his, his potential being wasted. But and... wither away in a hole. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> oh, dear. So it's horrible, because it's basically like them. they've shot him in the leg and been like, God, you're no good at wrestling anymore, though, are you? God, why is that? We should fire him. He's bloody useless. It's your fault. Do better. Vince McMahon writing the show doesn't write in Damien Sandow. Goes backstage. Where the hell were you tonight? You were nowhere on that show. God damn it. Come on. So I really hope he does move on to bigger and better things because yeah. he deserves it and he's talented enough. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we here at How To Wrestling, like, absolutely, like, in... In, like, whatever endeavours he happens to do, like, you know, not now, but maybe in the future. Yeah, like, future I, We do wish him the best. Like, the, luck, all yeah. the best, like, you know. <laughs> I don't think, you know, if, if I was running the wrestling company, it wouldn't say, we wish you the best in your future endeavours. It'll just say, it'll be grand, don't worry. <laughs> it'll be grand, like... <laughs> See you later. See ya. <laughs> so, today's episode... Mildly delayed as well by another thing that you might not have learned in wrestling, but you certainly learned in podcasting this week, is that having a cold or a sneeze means podcasting is pretty much impossible. It's so difficult. You got really sick, and I was all smug that I wasn't sick. And then as soon as you started to recover, I got sick. 
which has meant this release has been really stretched out. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at this episode, it's maybe a week or two late, but just saying, you know, I got a black eye from sneezing. Two black eyes, actually. I, they were pretty bad. <laughs> so before you go out there, all right, I will just say this for those of you at home. Try lacing my boots, yeah? <laughs> I've been a professional podcaster for four and a half years, six years, nine years. I've got a lot of bumps and bruises. Be that as it may, it was it, sorry the episode is late. Yeah, we, we do apologise. But Shane McMahon, excited, so excited. I'll ask you straight off the bat because when Shane McMahon returned to TV... I was doing a lot of jumping up and down this this very room that we're in right now, which may have been somewhat perplexing for you. No, it was great because I knew before you did that Shane was coming back. Because mm. uh, I'd seen it on Twitter and you hadn't, being that you never see Twitter during the day. So it was great. So we put on The Wrestle and I was like, oh, a thing happens on The Wrestle tonight, honey. Mm. And uh, out came your boy. Mm. Because I know how much you love Shane. I, I love Shane. and I'll, It's probably going to pop up throughout this. I will try and keep my absolute fanboyism to Aww. like, a, you know, so we can still learn about Shane and not just me tell you how worship fucking him. brilliant he is and worship the ground he walks on. But he's been a, a big part of my wrestle fandom for, I mean, Shane McMahon was one of my favourite characters when I was a kid. He was one of my favourite characters when I was a teenager and he's one of my favourite characters as a grown up and <laughs> as someone to watch, look back on as well watching some of these matches for Shane has been oh my god it's been a lot of fun WWE Network once again I will say we don't get like plugged or sponsored by the network I wish we did but we don't but um, they put together a little collection their new collections feature that they have if you are a network subscriber a lot of these ones were just nicely handy put in there in the Shane McMahon legacy collection that they have where they just snipped out all the bits so you don't have to go trudging through it I think that was really fucking great they should do more of those oh yeah it's going to make doing this show a lot easier oh god yeah So Shane McMahon has been in the wrestling business, um, as you can imagine, given who his father was, since pretty much forever. Um, there was a story that Shane McMahon like has quit the WWE on multiple occasions. The first of which when he was like 15 years old. <laughs> what? Yeah. So was he on the show when he was like... No, Shane and Stephanie both... Stephanie, of course, being Shane's um, sister, mm. Vince's daughter, um, were involved like doing like internships and stuff like that since from a very very young age, since they could like in high school and stuff. So I know Shane when he was fifteen had an internship in like the warehouse and he was just doing like you know stacking flyers, putting envelopes in, all that kind of jazz. And apparently he quit because he wasn't making enough money and went and got a construction job and then like wow. came back anyway. But there was always this story that apparently like. Vince did raise Shane up in a way to kind of almost make him a little bit more competitive, like work for it, you know, not just give him the company or whatever. But him and Stephanie were always, you know, working from the ground up. Yeah. They were never put in like, are oh, you head of the department? They were like interns. They had like shit jobs. Like Shane McMahon originally when he was like very like late teens, early 20s, you'd see him appear as like a random suit. It would come in and break up fights during the Hogan era. This like young boy in a grey suit coming out trying to get Randy Savage to stop killing Jake Roberts. Someone sent in a screenshot of one of those. Is it it called being an usher or something? Uh, An usher, yeah. He used to bring people out to the ring as well. Yeah, Yeah. he used to do that. And he also (laughs) was a referee back when they had lovely baby blue shirts and little black bow ties. So would fans watch wrestling then and be like, hey, that's Shane McMahon, that's Vince's son? Honestly, given that the majority of fans wouldn't have been able to point to Vince, I mean, a lot of the fans at the time didn't even know that Vince was the the owner of the company. They just knew him as the announcer. But Shane was 
it was, I remember it was quite behind the scenes, you know, in terms of knowing that he was there. I remember, like, watching a WrestleMania 3 video when I was, like, you know, 10 or 11, and my friend being like, that's Shane McMahon. I was like, no fucking way! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! Fuck off. <laughs> you know, the only way to express disbelief is by swearing loads. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Shane, Shane did appear, like, quite a lot. It wouldn't have been a really known thing. I think only the, the very, very insider the people. The smart, smart, smarts back in those <laughs> days. Yeah. Would have known that that who he was. So he first appeared on camera though as Shane McMahon during 1998. And you and I actually watched this segment, which is when a very emotional Shane McMahon comes out to reveal to his father, Vince, this is in the middle of the Attitude Era and Austin McMahon, that he has signed Steve Austin to come back to the company because he wanted to get out from underneath his father. And I was like, oh yeah, this is Shane's first segment I showed Jones. These two men, like, both have tears in their eyes talking about letting each other down growing up. It was very emotional stuff altogether, I thought. Yeah, it was a bit random. <laughs> Vince, Vince is like, Shane, what are you doing, Shane? And all of a sudden he's got tears rolling down his face and Shane's like, I'm not going to be like you, Dad. I don't want to hurt people. Oh my goodness. Get Jerry Springer in here. It was very... um days of our lives very uh <laughs> gray's anatomy i would almost say so shane appeared on camera quite a bit in 1998 and 1999 basically being his his father's boy essentially even though he came in at the start to mess over vince it was just an elaborate ruse as the mcmahon's tended to do to get to steve austin so on a number of occasions when it looked like shane was actually betraying vince it was actually him teaming up with vince in a roundabout way to help Vince betray Steve Austin. Needlessly confusing. Yeah, that's really confusing. <laughs> but uh, all of a sudden you had Shane McMahon, though, appearing with Vince and all of Vince's, like, corporate goons. And Shane McMahon being this character, which was the rich kid from Connecticut who was entitled and had the company at his fingertips and was this total brat kid and everyone wanted to beat the shit out of him. And yet he always seemed to get away with doing whatever he wanted was fantastic because like everyone like recognized you know steve austin as being like the guy who hated his boss and you want to see the you want to beat up your boss but shane just ticked that box as well and that everyone hated their boss but i'm sure everyone had like a boss who had a really stuck up rich kid who they yeah. fucking hated as well everyone knows a stuck up rich kid that they fucking hate everyone knows that intern at work or that guy who's gotten that job where he's been there for a few years and he's you know the fuck is this guy doing here, you know? <laughs> and Shane really filled that role, and they really went full hog with it when Shane, even though he had no real formal wrestling training, no, became does, a wrestler. What does that mean? I've heard that. What does that mean? What, having no wrestling training? No real wrestling training. Now, I assume that means he has had wrestling training, but it's not real. Shane McMahon, like, never had six months to a year where he went to wrestling school and learned how to wrestle and then, like, slowly built up But his, he clearly knows how to wrestle, right? Um, yes, but at the start it would have just been, he would have learned bits right. here and there. Afternoons, weekends, sessions. I'd have thought you picked up loads being a McMahon. Oh, I think he has picked up loads from being a McMahon. Because what we see here, I mean, over the course of these five matches which we picked, is really an evolution of a character in terms of his wrestling ability. Because the first match we watched, which was Shane McMahon taking on X-Pac at WrestleMania 15 for the European Championship, Shane is very limited in what he can do he is pretty much like the boss's son who's maybe done a bit of wrestling at the weekend taken on xbox and xbox meant to be like you know the guy from the streets he's grown up hard he's not you know gotten anything handed to him he's fought all his life and you've got rich kids taking on 
actual proper hard street kids in Xbox. Right. And oh god, we watched the hype of videos for this where Shane McMahon to really psych out Xbox got his boys in, his friends from Greenwich. The Mean Street Posse. The mean street po- what were your thoughts on the Mean Street Posse? I love them and I think they're like a really douchey rich version of the Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> Seriously, though, they are. The video which we watch is literally just you know, a camera on them just kind of talking to the camera going, you know, we do all this kind of... And, you know, it is really like Trailer Park Boys. And maybe Willie Green is, is Bubbles in that instance. But when Rodney, the blonde guy, Rodney's turned to the camera going, what a bunch of rich guys from Greenwich, you got to do nothing about it. And you just went, he is fantastic. He is absolutely... Pre- he was so charismatic. I love them. I just really, really love them. Do you know that they were Shane's actual real-life friends? Yeah, you were saying when we were watching it, so they're not... They're similarly not wrestlers, right? Yeah, they're not wrestlers at all. They're literally Shane's friends from school growing up. See, they're so entertaining. I know, that's one of the worst, kind of, the authenticity of it, is that they kind of... They're bigging up Shane as this guy who, like, you know, owns the streets of Greenwich. And Greenwich... Something I learned very young, I mean, I know very little about the great state of Connecticut, but I know that Greenwich is apparently quite well off, because the McMahons are from Greenwich, the Posse are from Greenwich, and Triple H was from Greenwich, Ah. so, you know, Greenwich is apparently, you know, you've got some rich people there, you know, (laughs) people who, uh, who like their money, let's just say. But I thought the posse were so funny. They 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 drank a load of beer and then they just got them to come into the studio and talk about Shane. That was it. That's that, what a great job that would be. Serious, amazing. It'd be great being Shane McMahon's friend. Bring up hi. Do you want to come get drunk and talk about like exaggerate stories of us getting into scrapes from when we were in university? <laughs> oh, okay. Some of them were quite ridiculous as well <laughs> they started the off like kind of like a little bit playful like kind of, yeah and then me and Willie Green we stole you know a traffic cone and yeah. then it's like yeah then I smashed the glass over his head then I ate the glass and I said you want to fucking dance then we broke his legs because we're a bunch of rich kids from Greenwich he ain't never gonna walk again ha <laughs> 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 they're awful and I love them I love them so much and you know what's great about the posse was that they were meant to be just brought in for that little bit just to hype up Shane ahead of this match and then they actually got jobs. Um, Pete Gass and Rodney, both of them got like developmental contracts with WWE. So does that mean they learned to wrestle? Yeah, then? they went and they learned to wrestle. And did their careers ever take off? They were great punching bags during the Attitude oh. Era. They had they, they were cult favourites. Um, when we went through the Attitude Era podcast, the Mean Street Posse came out sparkling of gold with nostalgia. It was great. <laughs> so Shane in this match is trying to defend his ill-gotten European championship and because Shane is an entitled young rich kid he comes out with his own hunk to protect him during this match Tess yeah I, I couldn't tell who the hunk what I couldn't tell who the hunk was at first had you seen Tess of course you had seen Tess yeah. from Tess and Albert yeah from Trish Stratus episode yeah um Tess is a is a, is a hunk definitely because he's quite like a He'd be like a hunk in like a Christian movie because he's got the he's got the the flowing blonde hair, the uh, the nice little goatee mustache thing. You know, he looks like a very Christian. You know, nice clean cut hunk. You know, kind of hunk that your mum would have a crush on, or the kind of hunk who would play Thor in a porn parody of Mm. the Avengers. Yeah. (laughs) Um, what was really nice as well is that fresh from their debut, getting drunk and talking smack on camera, the Mean Street Posse are in the front row. Yeah, 
like giving support to their boy. Did you like their attire, their clothing? Yeah, like they'd just come back from golf. Yeah, I mean, not too many wrestlers went into Gap to get their uh, their, their wrestling gear, but the, the posse made it work. So the story of this match is Privilege Boy versus Street Boy. We watched them have an actual street fight on the street before this as well, which was quite impressive, if For you remember. Once. Yeah, were you happy to see the street te- fight take place on the street? Well, only in the, you know, if you eat bread, you expect it to be bread. If all the bread that you eat isn't actually bread, but yeah. it's something else. <laughs> and then finally you ask for some bread and you get given bread... It's kind of like, that's how I felt. <laughs> like, give me what you are stating on the label. The funny thing was, it wasn't actually advertised as a street fight. They just happened to fight on the street. Well, then I don't like it. I'm and just that's saying, really annoying. You know, WWE's eyes, what we watched there, was not a street fight. Fuck just so aware. To start off this match, X-Pac was attacked by two old men. Can I just say at this point, X-Pac? Yeah. Is it X? Because I've been calling him X-Pac. X-Pac, X-Pac. <laughs> Like Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Ex-Pac-Man <laughs> fever. Ex-Pac-Man. Do-do-do-do-do. It's taken over my whole life. Um, I think it's X-Pac. 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 That sounds very different when I say it. Oh, how do you say Pac? Pac. X- <laughs> X-Pops X-Pops New from Pringles. The, the new, new extreme version of the crisp. X-Pops. <laughs> Um, X-Pac. I mean, you can just call him X to the P to the A to the C. Because mm. that ain't no L-I-E. Right. I'm just I'm trying to go with it with Xbox here. Okay. You know, he'll be fine, don't worry. His entrance was lots of crotch thrusting. Yes, he's part of D Generation X. Right, which is that thing Triple H does yes. sometimes when he decides to gesture at his yeah. testicles. Yeah. And that's also the thing that the young bucks are making fun of, right? Yes, they're kind of they're sat oh I could say mostly they're satirizing, but you know, they're they're having a, they're doing a take off of the fact that you know, the cocky 90s wrestler, yeah. they would all do the crotch chops. Because even though it was a DX thing, over in WCW, all the click guys were all doing the crotch chop. Hogan would do a crotch chop, you know, DDP would do a crotch chop, Flair would do a crotch chop. Well, because of these guys? It's a, it's just like a 90s, like, screw you, buddy, kind of thing, oh, you know? But X DX made it their thing. X-Pac right. was the choppiest of them all. Oh, I see. Xbox no like a little wind-up chopping action figure, like going <laughs> fucking mental. No wonder he was doing so much crotch thrusting then. Were, were you surprised that Xbox was beaten up by a couple of old pub landlords before he got to the ring? Yeah, some old men goons. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Vince is like, send out the old men. I want my boy to win. <laughs> send out my golfing buddies. <laughs> Oh, it was at this point I noticed as well that the um, Mean Street Posse are sporting some posh little scarves. Oh, yeah, and one of them has got their um, their cardigan thrown over their shoulders. Oh, yeah, which tied up like that. I love You yeah. can't do it like that. I remember yeah. once, like, having it, you know, I went through a jumper phase, and the ones was kind of like, I wonder if I could just, you know, pop it here and just see it. And my friend was like, You just look like a hail, like. Aww. You look like you're about to come out with a tennis racket and tell everyone about how they should treat themselves and how they should uh, look after themselves and how everyone in this arena makes me sick you know it's a great look (laughs) (laughs) very heel look indeed so um shane his story in this match is quite simple not the shane mcmahon that we know currently of the the jumping off very tall things and falling to earth this is shane the coward pure and simple in that he constantly runs away 
constantly gets Tess to help him. Mm. And then in the one or two brief moments where Shane does show some sort of athleticism, like he does jump over X-Pac at one point. Yeah, he does like the split yeah. in the air. But as soon as he does the split, he goes, yeah, boy! And then he gets kicked <laughs> in the face. I love that about Shane. Anytime he did anything, he was always fucking dancing, juking and jiving. <laughs> Any small celebration, you know, I love that. Um, he attempts to do the rock's finishing move, the Which people's elbow. I didn't realise was the rock's finishing move when he did it. You had to point that out to me. You didn't know the rock's finishing was the people's elbow. I mean, I know it's called the people's elbow, but yeah. I wouldn't be able to go, oh, look, that's the people's elbow. Because, I mean, I guess he stood and then he just ran against the ropes and gave him an elbow. Yeah. It was a if subtle If the rock power. did it, I would know it was the people's elbow. That's true. X-Pac at one point get, got thrown out into the barricade where all the posse were. And it was basically like a Day of the Dead where all the hands come through the wall, except they're all like rich hands that had nice moisturiser. Manicured. Calvin Klein watches. (laughs) Beautiful, soft hands grabbing (laughs) X-Files. With Argyle sleeves. So yeah, X-Pac, he he decks all of the posse. And I thought that was like, that was beautiful because they were giving the fans everything they wanted. And then they they got the belt out. Yeah, so... But it's not like a belt that one of them was wearing. It was like something from under the stage. It was it? Tess, because Tess was a big muscular hunk. He had a weightlifting belt on, which is for when you're lifting up big heavy things, you have like a back support belt. Right. So that was what Shane was using. He was using uh, the belt. Oh, I see, because it was a huge belt. Um, Fun fact about wrestling and belts slash straps. If they make a big loud noise, apparently it's not sore because that noise means that it's hitting itself. That's where the noise is coming from. From the, mm. the loop of the belt if they hit them and it doesn't make a noise chances are they just bruise them because you're just hitting them with the solid thunk of the, the leather oh, yeah. interesting interesting the science there so uh, Shane as well and what will become a recurring thing with him tries to imitate X-Pac and does his move the Bronco Buster Shane was always big on imitating his opponents right particularly as well when it came down to his tops that he wore mm-hmm. his, his t-shirts because this one was the X-Pac's hockey top he wore except it said X-Punk on it oh yeah and on the back it says they're going to beat you in one two three because the X-Pac used to be known as the one two three kid so he was uh, very insidery his, his back uh, the back riding on his jackets always was so is there out there somewhere a huge collection of all of Shane McMahon's various mimicry tops yeah um, I would probably guess that it would be in WWE have got a big warehouse in Stamford that is just full of like they're all, all their old props and stuff yeah. They did a brief series where Joey Styles, the announcer, went in there like once a week and the archivist they have showed them like something that they have. And there is WWE archivist on Twitter who you can follow who just shows random stuff from there. It is a big warehouse full of costumes, all the caskets from all the casket matches, all the rings, all the banners, all the stuff they got like across wow, the years. It's I would magic. Love to go there. Absolute magic. Imagine working there and being like, oh, can I just have this? And they'll be like, oh, all right then. So I'm pretty sure if what you're wondering, Joe, is yes, there is a place somewhere in Connecticut that is like the Batcave for Shane McMahon where he has all his different suits lined up. <laughs> Well, all the different. Who am I making fun of today, Alfred? Uh, Steve Austin. Ah, give me that McMahon six thirty two hockey top, which implies that McMahon's are twice as good as Steve Austin. <laughs> Three sixteen times uh, two is six thirty two. Very smart there, Shane. I see what you did. Could you buy them and no. at the time? As far as I know, though, the Shane McMahon hockey top was never available, which is sad because I always wanted one. The Reds 
hockey toffee war against Kurt. Yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I just really want one of his like spoof t-shirts. Because he had the one that had like the Shane McMahon like kind of riding like it was like a, a baseball team. Yeah. It was really cool. I like that one a lot. Really, it's really very cool. stylish. So Shane does attempt the Bronco Buster and misses. And then Triple H and China interfere and do loads of storyline stuff to end this match, which ends up with uh, Shane pulling out a screwy win as Xbox is betrayed. This was uh, one of my favourite matches from that pay-per-view, mainly because you had a guy in Shane who was not a trained wrestler, and Xbox who was a very amazingly trained wrestler, and within the confines of what Shane could do, and having the Mean Street Posse and Tess there, it was a really fun little match. It was, plus Shane got hit in the balls like two or three times. <laughs> and as well, I mean, I did want to watch show you a match where it wasn't just Shane falling off high things. That Shane, even though the stunt work of the daredevilness is, is what he's quite known for and what mm-hmm. he excelled at, that in terms of like a real crisscross back and forth, a snappy match, like this was a fast match. Yeah. There was no rest spots, there was no dicking around. They were just doing stuff nonstop. And I wanted to show that Shane actually has. He's really athletic, and that's yeah. something that Vince never was. Vince is not an athlete. Yeah, he seems a bit ungraceful and, and uncoordinated. Yeah. Whereas Shane, like, you Natural. can just tell. Shane, like, even when he goes up to the top rope and stuff like that, you can tell that he's got grace. Yeah. He, he can float, not sink. Do you know what was weird for me in this match was seeing that long blonde-haired blokey who kept turning out to be Triple H. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, who's that? Doesn't look like Triple H who? at all, does it? Who's like? that weird-looking guy with the hat on? Oh, that's... God, Jesus. can only be identified by his nose. <laughs> Just keep looking at the nose, you can tell if it's Triple H or not. So Shane continued his screwy, heelish ways for many more months. And uh, this led us to one of Shane's more hilarious encounters while he was a heel and a total coward. Because Shane always managed to get his way, Shane wanted to get the Hardcore Championship, which was a belt that was held by a very dangerous man called Steve Blackman. And Shane got all of his buddies to gang up on Steve Blackman and beat him up and take advantage of rule, which meant that the champion could be pinned whenever. And Shane ended up winning this Hardcore Championship, this belt that was originally meant to be for, like, Mick Foley, Terry Funk, like a real no-holes-barred, you-have-this-belt, it means that you're a, you're a hard-ass, you know? So what is the Hardcore Championship? It's a, hard, it's a belt that's defended in matches that are no disqualification matches or Finn Paul's count anywhere in the, the arena. Okay. So the idea was that it was the people who were either crazy enough or, you know, bad enough would, uh, you know, take part in these very vicious matches where you have to hit each other over the head with loads of weapons and tables and stuff. It did get a bit goofy at one point, <laughs> but Steve Blackman, his whole gimmick... Steve Blackman, who in IRL is now a bounty hunter, and in, what? and in IRL can rip a phone book in half. What? Steve Blackman won the hardcore belt, and there was this goofy rule, which is it was twenty four seven. You could win the belt whenever, and it was always like the Mean Street Posse and people rolling around in the carnival trying to win this silly belt. Then Steve Blackman won it, and it became it's no longer twenty four seven because Steve Blackman is so proficient in hand to hand combat that it's no longer fun to challenge for the hardcore belt. But Shane managed to steal it away from him. And then you had uh, Shane ending up in this match for the hardcore belt, where he basically is is of the opinion that he's going to die. Who Shane is. Shane is, because Steve Blackman's coming to get him. And he's so dangerous. And he's so dangerous, and it's a hardcore match. So was Steve Blackman's gimmick basically just Steve Blackman? Steve Blackman's gimmick is that he is a cold... He's a cold martial artist from Anvil, Pennsylvania. And, uh... Yeah, he's a badass, let's just say. Wow. Not the most charismatic man in the world, no. but everyone's too afraid to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> there was one 
where they said something odd in the promo package at the beginning. Mm. Um, they said to Shane, how do you feel about Kurt Angle kissing your sister, Stephanie? Oh, yeah. What? When did that happen? That wasn't in How to Kurt Angle. This is this is what happens when you do, uh, you know, <laughs> matches in the middle of the Attitude Era. We just happen to be in the middle of a love triangle there at the moment, sweetie. Shane McMahon is so scared that when he comes out, he runs away to the ring, which is quite impressive. <laughs> and then Blackman comes slowly behind him. And he just screams. With a bin and a big stick. <laughs> Time to party. I don't want to party with you, Steve. I really don't. He's like the last person on planet Earth I would ever want to party with. <laughs> He's just like, he gets, he chases him to the ring, like all the way from the back. And Shane's face as well. Mm. Gone is the cocky smirk. He has this kind of like cold sweat. Like he looks like his face is melting off his head. I absolutely love it. And then Shane runs away into the crowd. <laughs> And Blackman's like, this is my house, like Paige. Yeah, he does say it's, it's his house as well. This is my house. This is my house. This is my house. Maybe they can have a house share. <laughs> Steve Blackman and Paige in a house yeah, share. They fight over whose house is. Steve, you didn't buy any more of the of the, the yogurt that I like. And then Steve's like ripped up all the phone books. Oh, this <laughs> bloody house. The crowd brawling, though, that's interesting. Um, that, was, that was one of the first matches we watched where there was extensive beating up in the crowd. And this was like the first time we watched a match where there was extensive beating up of each other in the crowd. I was wondering what your thoughts and opinions on that were. I've always wondered what it must be like if you're in the crowd there and that happens. I guess you look up on the big screens. Yeah, I guess. But I mean, like, what if you're there and they fall into you and you get hurt? Can you sue WWE? I always wondered that. Usually you get free t-shirts if something like that happens. Really? Yeah. That would be great. That wouldn't be, wouldn't be so bad. I mean, I guess for every story of someone maybe getting a free t-shirt, there's the story of like, you know, we've read McFoley's book recently where they accidentally set fire to someone in the audience. Oh, so, you know, swings and roundabouts, <laughs> I guess. Like, a lot of free t-shirts got to be thrown my way if you're going to set me on fire. I want to go to your wrestling show though, lads. So. Um, it's just like, usually crowd brawling some people think it's like a time killing thing where it's like we slowly fight through the crowd we're just throwing punches we're not hurting each other but this was quite intense like Steve was battering them with bins and all sorts yeah and also I felt that the reason they went into the crowd made sense because it was because Shane was running away from him like the little chicken shit that he is and so, yeah, I thought it was, it was, it was okay. Yeah, okay. Um, didn't, it didn't detract from it or anything, no. Didn't detract. I mean, I think it can do. I've, I've seen in some recent modern matches where it's a bit like... Extensive crowd rolling. Well, all right, come on. Get yeah. back in the ring now. You're just killing time. Yeah. I did like at the start where Blackman offered Shane the kendo stick as like a gift. He's like, go on, try. Try hit me with it. And he's like, I don't know. I don't want <laughs> to. legged it. I mean, we might as well go to, to two big things need to get out of the way. Number one, um, Steve Blackman's pants. I just want your just un, 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 unabashed, unbiased opinion on those pants that Steve Blackman has. Like. It's difficult for me to have unbiased opinions on this because yeah. I know what the answer you want me to say is. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want you to say anything. It doesn't, I, it doesn't, I'm sorry. I mean, but... you can say they're not comfy. We can end the relationship <laughs> right now if that's what you want. Like, I've you known know. you long enough now to know. Honey, I'm just saying it's a deal breaker. <laughs> the correct answer is, well, they look good, don't they? Just yeah. for like round the house. Exactly. Like, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> say it the way I want you to. <laughs> Did you say like at the end? You better have said like at the end. <laughs> so, Steve Reitman, then the other important question, which I was very interested in knowing. He's obviously a very, very scary man. He's obviously, you know, a comfy man. Putting that to one side for a moment. <laughs> Is he a handsome man, Steve Reitman, in your opinion? He's handsy in the way that, like, Chuck Norris is handsy. Yeah. 
in that he's kind of not handsy, but you wouldn't tell him that, would you? I kind of want to see like Steve Blackman, you know, like not as Steve Blackman. Well, like you know, this is the opening of Commando, where like Arnie has like the nice bonding moment with his daughter, and they yeah. eat like ice cream, and he feeds a deer. I I think Steve Blackman in like a tight sleeveless flannel shirt with his daughter, you know, hanging out. I think there's a sensitive side there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wouldn't say that his um, his fighting gear isn't particularly a handsy look. No, it's not. It's not. It's no Seth Rollins molded no. plastic. Like. And I don't like his beard. Oh yeah, that's a very two thousand beard. You know what? He looks exactly the same now, though. Steve Blackman <laughs> literally, exactly, literally has an age today. That's amazing. He looks more intense as all. Well. Did you pick up on what the crowd were chanting at Shane O'Mac? No, what they, did they? They were shan- you're not very good at picking up on crowds. I'm terrible. Chance. I always have to ask you to even on NXT. You <laughs> should have subtitles on NXT for the crowd chants. Yeah. Like. But um, no, Shane. They got the chance of Shane's a pussy, Aww. which was the very attitude era chant that he got at the time. But Shane McMahon, I thought you'd like this because I'm not a fan of people chanting. You know, there's someone's a pussy. Like I think there's a you can get that across without using that word necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Shane like took this to umbrage that people were saying. Like, I've noticed that some people. Like, here are using a certain word he wouldn't say you're calling me a pussy he's like I've noticed you starting to use a certain word beginning with letter P like he goes uh, well I've got a Worcestershire's dictionary here and I have looked up that word and it does say uh, someone with cat like uh, characteristics so he started swaying back and forth he's like you're no doubt alluding to my cat like reflexes and he started to call himself Simba the jungle kid that he was going to you know bish and bash and blindside his opponents because he was so fast the king of the jungle Shane McMahon that is fantastic taking That's- a so funny. Shane's a pussy and then he's like yeah I'm a bit of a cat like character I sure am <laughs> I love it when wrestlers do things like that when they take you know certain crowd heat and turn it against them like Sasha Banks with the whole you know she's ratchet type thing yeah yeah completely turning it on his head and making a whole new owning it yeah like, I think that's a really cool thing that's, that's how you uh, I think target those things because it made people not want to chant they stopped chanting Shane's a pussy because when he was hitting Big Show with a movie called The Simba Slam then we knew <laughs> that the, the joke had been pushed away and he'd made it not fun for them anymore it's funny it's just like when I was a kid and I was like getting bullied and I was like you know what you've got to do you just got to laugh at the bullies make it your own joke <laughs> this is what you have to do if you're a wrestler absolutely with the crowd so Shane is put in a bin and hit with little twiglets by Steve Blackman. I was so happy when that happened because when Shane got in the bin, I was like, <laughs> I really have to see Steve Blackman drum on the side with the little sticks. <laughs> and he did not leave me disappointed. It was great. As around this time as well, Jim Ross started saying that, well, Shane's been taken to the woodshed, which means he's been beaten up. And he's like, I don't think Shane had too many trips to the woodshed when he was a young boy. I guess because he grew up in Connecticut, they would have taken him to a psychologist. Wow. What the fuck? Psychologist. Jim Ross again. It's Jim Ross he, again. He has an issue with like mental health things. He has well. done a few things before, because yeah. right? we're Mickey James, yeah. But I think he's trying to go for the thing, which was like... <laughs> You know, you know what I hate? These no good people who don't beat their children. <laughs> you know, what? Look at these them. heels not beating their children. You know, back in my day, we really got a lot of heat, but we just didn't beat our children at all. You know, that's how Bill Watts, like, he, he used to run that territory proper. The heels didn't beat their children. The faces mercilessly beat their children. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is that, Jim Ross? Yeah, Jim Ross, you've got some issues, man. The psychologist line is always like, oh, they take him to a psychologist. Hell- awful because if you're going to a psychologist there's obviously something wrong with you 
it's so interesting seeing like the difference of attitudes in in that era yeah. to now. Because he wouldn't say that he now. He would not say that I know that he wouldn't now. say that. Would, uh, I think it's really interesting as well because um, JR is a massive Frasier fan, <laughs> which is like, how is all this like, how can you watch all of that Frasier? Here's a man who, during the course of the attitude, made literally 10 Frasier references, <laughs> Lilith references as well. And he's, how can you watch all that Frasier and have that opinion of psychology? Maybe he watched all that Frasier and the only thing he learned from it was that psychiatry is like just bullshit. Maybe he thought that Martin was like the face in Frasier. <laughs> yeah. and then, oh, you know that show Frasier about the two idiot sons and their cool dad? <laughs> yes. Cognitive behavioral therapy exposes the business. <laughs> Oh no, a wild TNA appears. When they appeared and started beating up Shane, my immediate reaction was, do you remember who TNA were? Yeah, well, I just immediately thought of him as the guy from NXT. Oh, of course, you know him as the the. You the always forget for... this. You're like, have you ever seen him in anything? It's like, yeah. yeah, he's the trainer. I, I honestly keep forgetting that he's the guy from Breaking Ground. That's yeah. that's Albert. That's Prince Albert. That's how do I keep yeah. forgetting that? I'm, I'm... I, I know him first and foremost as the the training guy from NXT and secondarily as a guy who was in a film about bulldogs and then third i know him as as, as test and albert guy i don't even know which one he is he's albert right he is he's the a of t and a fan right. test is the one that looks a bit like triple h did yeah Oh, Tess is the one who's got the kind of protruding teeth and the long blonde I hair. I've really seen his teeth. Shane starts doing what he became very famous for at this point, which was his dancey punches. Yeah, I love his little um, his little dance attacks. Because he's he's dancing something that has like you know gotten bigger over the years, and when he came back and he's just dancing everywhere, I was like, I wonder if Joe's gonna wonder why this guy is just fucking dancing like a motherfucker with his legs flailing around like doing the two-step <laughs> shuffle here. I think because I'd seen so many gifts of Shane, I already knew what to expect. The dance with the hands going like the, the, the left and right and jumping up and down where he's like yeah. pointing in either direction. That is a, is a very famous dance of his. Very which, uh, gift. But yeah, Shane's dancing was always very, very a big part of his, his gimmick. He tries to kill Steve Blackman with an amplifier. <laughs> he like, what, puts his belt around his throat and then drags <laughs> him up towards the PA. Oh, and at this point, the commentators yelled out, one thing's becoming clear, Blackman has no friends. Oh, there's poor Jerry going, ha ha, he's got no friends, JR! <laughs> Blackman's a loser. It's <laughs> so funny because like Blackman was like this lone wolf and because he was so scary and dangerous, no one wanted to be his friend. So he was kind of left on his own some. But he managed to do a comeback all on his own, Steve, and like beat up all three guys with his little stick. <laughs> and uh, Shane realizes his henchmen are down. So he decides to go where anyone would go, uh, away from Steve Blackman. Yeah. And the only way to go is up, up, up the Titantron. Oh my goodness. All the way up to the tippity tippity top. And I realise that this bit, this is what our episode artwork is based on, isn't it? Can I just say that episode artwork, which went through a number of iterations, mm. but I'd say it's probably my favourite artwork yet from, yeah, from Dan Swan. Yeah, we've had a few people say it was the best, best so far. And that's what this moment was encapsulating. Yeah. The very scary moment where it's not a dive, it's a fall, because Shane is facing towards the Titantron, away from where Blackman is, and Blackman crawls up right behind him, gets the stick, and just taps him three yeah. times, and Shane just falls back. backwards. It's like he's been shot. It's like he's about to like fall into a pool of water or something. Yeah. The way he just falls back so gracefully. There's something about that fall that I just find 
really fascinating. It's so tranquil. It's yeah, it's like he's at peace. Because I've read before with wrestlers, when you're taking a very big fall like that, the really difficult thing to stop your body doing instinctively is to put your hands. Out, if you're falling backwards, I should say, yeah. is to put your hands out because your body has an instinct to put your hand out to see if there's going to be you know, floor or anything behind you. Yeah. And a lot of times when people fall backwards like that, a common injury is breaking the shoulder or the arm because they're instinctively put their hand out behind them before they oh. fall and then they put all the weight on the arm and it breaks as they, they land down on it. So Shane actually be able to keep his hands forward like that and fall backwards and not like start, you know, moving about. There was like, that wasn't just, all right, here we go. It was concentration pretty much the whole way down. And it makes for a beautifully iconic moment, I think. Recently I've been sort of collating iconic moments in wrestling yeah. just as like photographs just for my own amusement because yeah, yeah. like, I quite find them very very visually appealing mm. and that one particularly yeah just falling backwards I think particularly I've found a lot of so many people have taken big falls in wrestling but falling backwards that height that has to be one of the scariest for the performer one of the scariest falls ever some would argue that's probably one of the less scary falls because you can't see down and you're just falling backwards mm. but if you can imagine what it would have been like if Shane McMahon was wearing a GoPro to see what it was like sailing to back like that Jesus. not to mention the fact that afterwards who comes sailing down on top of him but fucking Steve oh, Blackman Climbs down a few rungs and then just dives off with a big elbow. Can you imagine that? Jesus. The announcers absolutely sell this as, a, as for what it is, which is mm. an absolute spectacle. I mean, what was your reaction? Because you hadn't seen anything like You'd seen the Hell in the Cell fall, obviously. Yeah, I'd seen but... the Hell in the Cell fall, but although that's a bit of a different comparison because that was like one of the first wrestling matches that I'd seen. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, I've seen a fair few wrestling matches at this point now. It was still so shocking, though. For someone as well who's like... Mick Foley had made a career and his body was almost, in his own words, designed to absorb that kind of punishment. <laughs> Shane McMahon, is, you know, again, his actual job at that point was like, you know, vice president of merchandising or some shit. He was not like... Yeah, he didn't have to no, do that No, he didn't. Stuff. You know, it's like when uh, Terry Funk said that Vince McMahon is the toughest son of a bitch in wrestling because he's a millionaire and he gets hit in the head with a chair and he doesn't have yeah. to. Shane didn't need to be doing this. No, I think it actually says a lot more about Shane. I'm pretty sure there's some marketing <laughs> that needs to be done back there if you want to do that instead. But there he goes, flying off he goes. And what I noticed in the Edge Era podcast, when we got to around this point, um, you know, towards the tail end of the Edge Era, after this, after McFoley had retired around six or so months after he had left full-time competition, that the expectation was still there when you went to the wrestling show in 2000, 2001, that there would be a big risk, a big bump, a big spectacle moment, particularly at a big show. But it was no longer McFoley you were expecting to do it. It was actually Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon was the guy who was jumping off the turnbuckle, going through the table, or jumping off the Titantron, or falling off the cage, or going through the, the big stack of tables, or whatever it was. So was it quite a nice, neat little yeah, pretty overlap, much. really, as soon as McFoley went... Here was sort of Shane. Shane was started taking big risks late 99. Foley was gone early 2000, which is when Shane was really like, you know, this was around, you know, after Foley was well and truly gone. So Has Mick Foley ever spoken much about Shane McMahon? Not really, no. Because they seem quite similar. It's, it's the, the risk taking alone, yeah. Yeah. Like Shane comes across quite a lot as like a backyard wrestler. In he some does. Ways. <laughs> Shane, I mean, rich. I was obsessed with Shane at this moment in time because he wasn't a big body guy. He was just this guy in a tracksuit and a t-shirt who... Taking huge bumps. Who just took huge risks. And that, I remember that being so cool. I mean, like, kind of, this guy is, like, proving that you don't need to be this, like, you know, big muscle dude or, you know, this, like, hyper-skill guy. It's just the fact that he doesn't care and he'll do anything and he's reckless. 
that was what was appealing about him. Mm. Kind of a dangerous role model for a kid to have in some respects. I didn't jump off any roofs, yeah. even though my favourite wrestlers were McFoley and Shane McMahon. That's, honestly, that is so surprising because like the people I knew who were into wrestling, the ones that actually got into doing it in their backyards yeah. on trampolines and roofs. Their favourite wrestlers were Mick Foley and Shane. Interesting. And my favourite tag team were the Dudley Boys. I have not put Joe through a table yeah. yet. Touch wood. What, you know? what kind of weird kid way <laughs> that you didn't try didn't and even put a woman through a home. table. Like, what's wrong with you? Clearly their warning messages worked too well. On Clearly. Them. Shane McMahon had an interesting 2000 and 2001 being both face and a heel. Um, a little moment that Joe and I watched... Just because Shane McMahon is a fun goof, which was after this where Shane had been killed by Steve Blackman and he disappeared into obscurity for a few months. And he came back a few months later to help Steve Austin figure out who ran him over. And uh, according to Shane McMahon, the evidence was clear. It was that no good Steve Blackman who had run (laughs) over. So there's this great segment from um, No Mercy 2000 where Shane is trying to convince Steve that... um, you know, Blackman is the one that's run him over, and uh, he ends up getting multiple stunners. And when Shane takes a Stone Cold stunner and his mouth is full of beer, it is the most beautiful. Be- I mean, we had we had to watch that segment, and you have to watch the segment too, guys, just so you can see the beauty, the grandeur of Shane McMahon just spinning as mist comes out of him. I feel we need to get that in slow motion on our vine. Absolutely. And anytime Steve Austin is a stunner to Shane McMahon, if you can just mentally go K.O. and go (laughs) it's always really fun as well. You know, (laughs) hardcore Street Fighter references. But um, Shane was also very interesting in 2000 that he feuded with uh, The Big Show Mm. which made for a very interesting pairing because obviously The Big Show being quite big and giant and scary and Shane being young and scrappy. When they first faced off, Shane was a heel and Big Show was a face. And Shane was a bit of a dick how he used to get to Big Show because Shane was young and fast and Big Show was bigger and slow. Shane would literally run away from the Big Show. Right. And like, you know, run backstage and Big Show wouldn't be able to find him. <laughs> and then Shane would go through and goes, you see this guy at the Big Show coming around? Which way did he go? Oh, oh, which way did he go? Oh, like Bugs Bunny would make fun of people. Right. That, for me, at the time, I th- that w- I'm going to say it's going to be a weird moment on the podcast, but that was an inspiring moment what? for me. Because when I was, that literally that exact moment, I was in a situation where I was being bullied by a very large, slow kid who was not that much older than me. He was just quite big. Yeah. And no matter what I did, like he was bigger than me and he, he bet the shit out of me on a number of occasions. Then I just randomly started one day running away from him. Like Shane McMahon did. <laughs> and I wanted to, I would just go over and I would push him, and then I would run away and I'd give him the slip, and then he would see me from far away and I'd start going, Which way did he go? Uh-huh, oh, uh-huh. my and God. I don't want to like tell anyone like this is a foolproof method, but it did work. And like, what do you th- mean it worked? He stopped, he gave up. Because anytime I started going, which way did he go? And all of his friends started laughing at him, saying, look at this guy saying, which way did he go? And they came in, like he was this, I mean, he was this imbecile who couldn't catch me because he was too slow. And I'm not fast. I just managed to give him the slip. It's so funny to think of you ever not being six foot five and a towering giant yourself. But I will just say, I mean, you know, yeah, if you're not a towering giant, you have to think outside the box. And I know there's probably people listening to this who may be younger or may have been in these sort of situations. My only advice to you is this. 
Be a heel to your bully. I think that's a very good get, advice. Get heat with your bully. Yeah. Make your bully make your bully hate you so much and get, get so much hate. Get over with the crowd. Get over with the crowd. Make your bully have so much hate for you that he's no choice but to repackage himself as someone who gets along with you. Because it's not going to work otherwise. You <laughs> have to rebrand if he wants to stay on. Well, I just otherwise wanna, it's future endeavours for him. I just want to point out that like Shane McMahon, massive heel heat, did actually inspire and help me through. What was not a very nice situation. That's and amazing. he's a lovely character in that way that I was able to maybe inspire that. And what was lovely about it as well was that a few months later the roles were reversed and Big Show was the heel and Shane was now the face. Ah. Shane having bought WCW from Vince and you know was now like out on his own. Vince decided to put Shane against the Big Show. This time, Big Show is the heel and Shane is the face. So we have a match which we're really excited to see, which is Big Show and Shane McMahon in a last man standing match at Backlash 2001. And this one started off as well in the video package with Shane reading out a nursery rhyme from Oh his yes, Shane and the Beanstalk. Shane and the Beanstalk. And it's like an actual book. They've made this. Oh yeah, with little pictures and all that. Yeah. Out comes the big, fearsome, mighty, big show with the question on his mind, which way did he go? (laughs) It was weird thinking that big shows had like the same music all this time. Well, it's a big show. Yeah. Well, you think it's the same. It's no, you're you're exposing yourself as not being a real proper oh, fan. Oh no, I'm sorry. What so, have I? Well, no, I the done? one you're talking about is go is the original big show, which goes well. Well, it's the big show. That's but what it's like. The, at the current one, no, is in the big show. No, no, no. The new one, it's well at the beginning, right? Yeah, but it's it, it's it's a well that's become a yeah. You know, it's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's less it's less defined. I'm gonna have to hear these side by side in comparison <laughs> to believe they're you. totally different. No, they're not. Totally they absolutely are 100 different. You are winding me Swear, up. It's tweet Joe in on how to wrestling <laughs> and show her how they're different. I refuse to believe this. Absolutely different. <laughs> so, last man standing match. The only way to win this match is to stand up after a ten count. Which, as we all know from playing these matches on 2K16, is a right pain in the arse. Shane McMahon has got his new music as well. Yeah, his Here comes the money. money. Here, Here we go. The money. money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. Dollar, dollar. Dollar, dollar. Ching, ching, bling, bling, bling cut the chatter. If you oh. ain't talking money, then your talking oh, don't, don't matter. matter. But oh. It's really bad, <laughs> but it's great. My favourite thing about it is the use of the word spiffy. Spiffy! <laughs> it's like, I like my clothes fresh and feeling spiffy or something like that. I can't remember the exact phrase. And then he says something about his, his new cologne, it called brand new money. Money, 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 yeah. money, money. Great theme. Love that theme so much. I've been listening to it every morning since we started researching for this episode. It's it's really like it it's an amped up it's it's both the worst and the best. Oh yeah. Cuz like it's so wrestling. There's this weird thing with every with Shane and Stephanie about having these like weird rap like R&B songs mm. <laughs> that they're like really white rap musics. Mm. I'm not sure how the best to describe them. They're nerdy as hell. Yeah. 
but they're awesome. I love I love Shane. Oh, because Shane's is great, really like because it works as a good guy and as a bad guy, yeah. as well. And he, his little bounce, his little dance to that just makes me absolutely. <laughs> you know, it makes me so it's happy. It's proper like when you see him come out to that as a face. It's really kind of heartwarming. I don't know why. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it's a happy song. It's not yeah. like like rock music or a lot of guitar-y stuff that a lot of the rest of the time have. It's like it's, badass kind of take me serious. It's a nice cleansing sorbet. Yeah. This music is what it is. <laughs> Shane McMahon uses his brain to get one up on the Big Show and early on we do get Big Show being hit right in the face with that nursery rhyme book yes yes everything is used as a weapon in this and Shane does chair barrage he hits Big Show eight in brackets times <laughs> it's a lot of chair shots I've always wondered what do you think of like the, the liberal use of chair shots back in the day before we realised that concussions were actually bad for you as opposed to something that were great oh it's sad isn't it it's very sad it's hard watching back and knowing oh god all of these kinds of things caused severe you know brain damage in some cases concussion is like the least worst thing because I'm always just worried like because I mean as a wrestling fan who's watched people take some just brain scrambling chair shots yeah. to use a phrase that they've used on WWE TV by the way which makes it even more fucking yeah, horrible it's not very good is it but like I think it's always seemed ridiculous for, for old fans to go oh we didn't know as if we didn't know that that was going to hurt of course it was going to fucking hurt I mean I was wondering as a new fan if that kind of an attitude seems really ridiculous for you guys I do wonder if it's a little bit more with the older era of fans because there was like ECW yeah. that kind of thing going on where proper wrestling fans in order to kind of prove yourself it had to be like well it has to be blood yeah. it has to be real and, oh, if you put you up know, your hands for a chair shot fake. yeah I mean if you if you put your hands up for a chair shot in ECW they'd, like, they'd chant you know horrible shit at you like for, for trying to protect your head like so but, it's very much like a culture of like encouraging worse of violence yeah, pretty much <laughs> looking after yourself is very uncool apparently I just want to say if people want to uh, you know, draw a graph of people from ECW who were alleged to be really hardcore <laughs> and those that are like still healthy and happy and alive and wrestling you know it's like the most cool thing ever, isn't it? Dying young. Well, <laughs> I just love all the, the, the fans saying, like, he's a pussy, and like Lance Storm putting his hands up for a chair shot. Like, Lance Storm's retired, happy, he's got full mobility. <laughs> pussy. You know, there are other people who were not in that same ilk who are, you know, not alive. Yeah. You know, that's no, no other way to say it. Shaman Man continues his Pokemon-inspired offense by taking out Ether, which he uses. <laughs> it's super effective as well. He even has, like, a little mask that he yeah. puts on. <laughs> were you... What were your thoughts on the the, the, the the chloroforming that was happening in the ring? I thought it was quite funny. It was very dastardly. Because it's like last man standing. Shane's not going to knock out the big show with his fists. He's going to use imagined, drugs. I imagined him like to tie him up on the railroad tracks and leave him there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Drop an anvil on him. Yeah, Luckily, the big show had his uh, umbrella on him at the time. You know. <laughs> Vince McMahon appears in an olive blazer. And hits his own son with a chair. Yeah, it's all. And Vince comes out here and he beats his son, which strangely Jim Ross is incensed about now. What's wrong? Jim Ross is just. God damn it, he's too old! (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? You should have done that when he was six. In in Vince's mind, this is the the equivalent of a mother breastfeeding a 28 year old (laughs) child, is a father beating a 28 year old child. You do that when they're young! Come on! It's too late now. (laughs) Oh, that's typical Hollywood parenting right there. Folks, so yeah, and then Vince comes in and he takes away Shane's ether, like his weird little travel bag. He's <laughs> got a little zip and everything. Isn't it? Shane's like, but dad, I want to play with the ether. 
<laughs> How many times have I told you, no ether until you're divorced? <laughs> so, yeah, um, Vince has beaten up his son. He's confiscated his ether. And you get a really great moment now where Shane starts to replay up this gutsy character, which we saw in the match with, with Kurt at King of the Ring, where the announcer is begging Shane, essentially, to stay down, not to get back up and get back into the match. The, the announcer's here. You've got Paul Heyman as well with Jim Ross. Yes. They do such a good job. At one making because Big Show is a bit of a galoot. Like he's not looking his best here. He's a bit husky. He looks a bit sleepy. Mm. He's got. He looks. He looks a little bit stoned, for lack of a better term. Um, but going they, heavy on the vape. They do like, and but they do a great job of making that Big Show looking like he's a serious, like horrible person because he keeps beating up Shane and then letting him picking him up. Yeah, before so, the count ends. It's, they have to. How many counts is it before? To ten. It's ten. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he keeps like beating the shit out of Shane and then waiting till like eight or nine, then lifting up and beating him again. And he does his finisher on him yeah. over and over. But, like what he did is like, he'd knock him out and then just stand around looking bored. <laughs> Raising like, his hands. Like... Waiting for the ref to get to nine before he just pick him up again. Wondering where his vape is like. That no good heel. And then a wild test appears who, uh, starts fighting up with Big Show all the way up the ramp where Shane appears with them as well. And he's a good guy now. Yes. Yeah. Test okay. is basically... They did a storyline when Test first came in where he was dating Stephanie. And of course, if you're dating Test Stephanie... Test was dating Stephanie. Test was originally okay. dating Stephanie in the storylines and did this whole thing where Shane was like, you'll never date my sister. What, you know, the overprotective brother. Really great storyline. Right. And they bet each other up in a street fight and Test was won. Was it on a street? No, it wasn't. Fuck it then. But uh, Test beat Shane and Shane, like they had this running thing that regardless of Shane was face or heel him and Tess were always aligned because they, he had his respect because he was like, right, you know, if you're willing to do this much to fight for my sister, then you're obviously a good guy. Huh. Which was a really cool, like, running thread. So that's why you have Tess constantly appearing to help Shane as a good guy and as a bad guy, which is which is pretty cool. Big Show appearing with a big pipe was quite funny. He did look like a little ogre at the top going, beating people with his little stick. Yeah, his little metal pipe, like a Mario pipe. Yeah, he's got to, like, bonk people <laughs> over the head with it. It's cute. And uh, Shane, once again finds himself having to skadoodle up the titantron but it was really cool what happened like show picked him and he fucked him through into the titantron and Shane just grabbed on just kept rolling up it is like Jack and the Beanstalk seriously yeah. really really brilliant job here and uh, Big Show is blindsided by Test and you're left with a similar situation I was wondering like oh is this going to lessen the impact like watching two big falls in a row but I mean these were I mean, Backlash and SummerSlam they're not within six months of each other yeah. you know and Shane was once again on the top of the titantron Except this time, he was facing the big show, yeah. and he was going to do the move onto the big and show. And he's actually at the top this time, yeah. rather than... Like, way, way down. up. He's higher up than last time. And you can tell as well, he must be a little bit scared. He, he crosses himself. Well, the bit is where he looks, he looks down, you just see him shaking yeah. his head, and he goes, no, <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the blessing of himself. Yeah. Which is incredible. I love that. And uh, diving on top of the big show with <laughs> Paul Heyman and Jim Ross... Saying like you know, this is echoing Mick Foley, Hal in the Cell, fucking incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. The thing I'm getting from these matches is that just Shane constantly jumps off high things. Yeah. So my my summary of him before we watched all these matches, because like the only things I knew about Shane was that he was Vince's son and that he jumped off high things. Yeah. Well, that's I, I was pretty accurate. You were. I mean, he does jump off high things. And he is Vince's son. He has a penchant for, for the, both of those things. <laughs> so Shane actually ends up diving onto the big show. And like before, he's just falling backwards. And he mm. gives an elbow to the big show. 
And uh, I love that he's just completely down and out, completely KO'd, and Test uses a bit of physics to help Shane. He gets a big lever and puts <laughs> Shane the underneath dolly. it. Yeah, the camera dolly. He lifts it up, like, my God, the strength. And like Shane's legs are technically standing up, and he's yeah. just completely limp. Wins the match, and like he's just carried away by Test. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Shane won by technically being the last man standing. The yeah. best way to win. So we found Shane McMahon over the next few years as the Attitude Era wound down and WWE found itself with a lot less competition. There was always word that Shane was interested in doing like other big projects. Like there was word, for instance, in like 2005, 2006, that Shane wanted ECW, which has been revived as a brand, instead of it being on TV. Now, just keep in mind this is 2006. He wanted to make it to be a show that was for like more hardcore fans and have it be online only and build up a following based on like social media and the blogs that they had and keep it all based on the website. Wow. Now, think how far ahead of his time he is there. Yeah, that's that, like 10. Seriously. When was the network introduced? Like two years ago, so 2014. Yeah, so nearly 10 years. So yeah, nearly 10 years you know, ahead of his time hell. there. Really, really smart concepts. Like. Very smart, especially back then when I imagine those real smarky wrestling fans really would have, would have been... It would have worked better than... that online culture, particularly. Yeah. And instead, you know, what they did do with that ECW brand wasn't as successful. I mean, you look at what NXT is now, a lot of that does come from that whole idea of like a special show kind of for the the more hardcore fans niche works there was also as well rumors that he wanted to purchase an mma company or also at the very least promote a style of wrestling within wwe that was more like based on actual fighting actual fighting martial arts you know jiu-jitsu that kind of thing and i mean lo and behold if you look at the likes of ring of honor or even you know in, in japan a lot of those places at the moment were very much that style of wrestling where they're blurring the lines between MMA and and pro wrestling yeah. is again that's the hot thing. So he was always like really ahead of his time, but there was always worried that you know that he, he didn't have everyone on board. Mm. He, his projects weren't always running through as they should be. I mean, he ran the website for a while. He did all sorts of things. He was like VP of marketing. He was never involved in creative though. That was always mm. Stephanie's thing, and that was always a weird thing because. People are always saying on TV, like, oh, he's the heir apparent, silver spoon in his mouth, you know, Vince's boy, he's he's going to be running this place. And all the while, the stuff that you think you most associate with running the company, like the creative, the booking, all that's actually Stephanie, yeah. not Shane ever. So it did become apparent around the mid-2000s that it was probably more likely going to be Shane uh, not being the one running things and probably more likely going to be Stephanie and Triple H probably running things. And this isn't in kayfabe, this is shoot. This is IRL, yeah, which is quite interesting because, I mean, the, the shoot and the IRL and the kayfabe of this one, are, are, it's quite closely linked, yeah. really, mirroring what's happening. But we'll get into that more later. Around 2003, when we're in the midst of what could be best described as a dark period for wrestling, Shane McMahon returned as a face because Kane was become a bit of a monster and a tombstone pile-driven his mother, Linda. And as was the current thing with Shane, if his mother's honour was ever besmirched, he was always there to defend said honour. So, like, he was always... Like, that was always his thing. Face or heel, Shane always was like, you know, was on the side of his mother or was always trying to be. <laughs> so, Shane and Kane, another last man standing match. The reason I watched this one, though, was because I really, really wanted to watch Joe, the compilation of Kane and Shane doing things to each other. <laughs> you tried to set fire to him? Kane was beating him up backstage. Kane set a dumpster on fire, threw in loads of gasoline. Yeah. Was going to throw Shane into it. 
Shane threw in Kane and said, burn in hell, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Next week, Kane's grand. And, uh, well, I guess he's Kane, isn't he? Fire. He's fire type, yeah. So yeah. it has very little minimal effect at if all. If you him into a big bucket of water, though. Our ice cream man season. Fuck off, ice cream man. I'm just going to say, if we're going to get into the Pokemon thing, Shane McMahon, Pokemon, water, flying type. I mean, he would be both of those things together. Why water type? I Just because he flows, you know? I don't oh, know. I just, it would work. Opposite of Kane. He wears yeah, blue sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, um, the week after that, Shane was like, oh, I hear Kane's a little bit pissed off because I set his ass on fire last week. <laughs> I wonder what he's going to do. And uh, Kane comes out with what can only be described as the most unique comeback in wrestling history. When he uh, ties Shane to the corner of the ring. Oh, Jesus. Someone sent this to me on Twitter and I thought they were joking. They're like, oh, have you seen that bit where Kane electrocutes Shane McMahon's testicles? I was like... <laughs> Good one. Good one. That's funny. Wouldn't that be weird if that happened? Oh, no, it did happen. Here's a clip of it on YouTube. Yeah. So he did. He, he electrocuted his balls in this yeah, match. Yeah, put jumper cable... It wasn't a match. It was just like a run-in uh, before the match. What? Before, that wasn't yeah. the match? That it was, was randomly just... on Raw, yeah, to get back at Shane for, for putting him on fire. What? Yeah. How did he get him in such a compromising position? He, he bet him up and then he just handcuffed him. Bloody hell, that cane. That cane. So Shane's there. He's got jumper cables on his on his nads, hmm. on his stones, on his ghoulies, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. We've all got them. <laughs> and uh, he gets jumper cables attached there. And Kane pulls out the battery and just starts... Uh, oh, he throws water on, on Shane's crotch first. I remember as a kid kind of going, is Kane really coming out here and making Shane look like he's pissed himself? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! You pissed yourself, Shane! Vince McMahon comes out and like, you're not my son. How does it feel that I made you piss your pants, Shane? Does it break you up inside? I'm a monster, Shane. I don't care about anyone. I'll make you all piss your pants. I made my brother, The Undertaker, piss his pants. And I'll make you piss yours too. No, he does it to increase the electricity. And uh, Shane gets his balls electrocuted and he does does a pretty good sell job. Yeah, he does. He's was, sweating uh, a lot. Yeah, it looked very uncomfortable. Well, it looked very uncomfortable because he's wearing a shirt that James May will be wearing on Top Gear. <laughs> so, Shane is then sent to hospital. And this is really funny because I these are all together on this bit on the network, like Shane and Kane's Wacky Adventures or whatever. <laughs> and I was just going through it and I remember after the electrocution of the balls and it just cuts to Shane Hospital, he's like... Yeah, you know, guys, I'm you know I'm here in hospital, obviously, because of what happened last week. And I thought, oh, this is like 28 minutes long. I might skip and see, get to a good one. <laughs> and I literally, you know the way you can go forward like five seconds, press that yeah. button? I pressed that button and it went from Shane being sat all calm in a hospital just to him covered in blood <laughs> and Kane inexplicably being in the hospital, beating them up, beating up the doctors. It was like a season finale from Grey's Anatomy. Like a real fucking off-the-wall shit like, oh, what's going to happen this season? Is there going to be another terrorist attack? Is Kane going to kill Dr. Owen Hunt? You know? It was mad! It was absolutely mad! It was very strange. It was great because it literally was like five seconds later. I just thought, quick, just quickly skip through this beginning yeah. bit. Guys, like, quick update. Hang, like, <laughs> hang on, Shane. Shane's dead now. <laughs> was it shocking for you to see wrestling be that violent? Um, 
At this point, I think I do expect a little bit of that. From going back. From that era. Yeah. yeah. And I know there's a few segments where wrestlers are in hospital and then they get beaten up by their opponent. That's one of the worst ones ever, though. Particularly when you find out as well the reason that Shane was in the hospital is because of the... The electrocution to the balls. Uh, basically, Kane claimed he did that because he wanted to ensure that Shane could never have yeah. an heir. <laughs> he couldn't have an heir. How Game of Thrones has this gotten? Like? Yeah, Kane is, is is odd. Why didn't he want Shane to have an heir? Because he, he hates Shane. And then the peak of all of this, Shane and Kane set each other on fire, beating each other within an <laughs> inch of their life, battered each other in hospitals, testicles get involved. How can you top all of this? They have dinner in a nice restaurant. <laughs> I love the fact you have Shane sat down there and he's like, well, never thought you'd show up. So thank you for taking my my, my, my invitation and to it dinner. it zooms out and it's Kane. Kane in... I love that in the hospital he was in his ring gear because they're always very inconsistent about Kane outside of... Of, yeah. of the ring and he was wearing a black t-shirt which I thought was the funniest thing ever he was dressed up like a really intense maths teacher who doesn't wear a shirt he wears <laughs> like a t-shirt instead like a long sleeve t-shirt and when the two of them are sitting there in this dark room and Kane's like how's your mother Shane remember when I tombstoned her right on the ramp the sound turned me on and then <sighs> the foo comes over and in my mind just went na 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 What will John and Greg think of these dishes? Kane, who won MasterChef in 2007, and Shane, who was a finalist in The Professionals in 2012, (laughs) have got to judge those. I don't know, maybe someone's back there cooking up slop, you know? Right, Kane, what we need from this dish is big bowl bags. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you don't want to see Kane choke Sam Greg Wallace, you... you, (laughs) You're not a real wrestling John fan. John and Greg, ultimate tag team. Well, you, you just figured know. out what's going on to uh, 2K16 yes! on our universe mode, Y2 Wrestling. Uh, <laughs> we got, we got to get. If you know of a good crate wrestler that we could download for those guys, if not, we're going to make them. All right, that that has to happen. <laughs> we got a new tag team in the books. So this match, there's a lot going into it. Dinners, fire, electrocution of balls. Mm. And you want to talk about the balls bit as well, just to briefly go back to the balls. Yeah, I was actually going to go back to the balls anyway, but okay. you, you go. Um, on the balls, if you remember from Kane and Daniel Bryan... I was actually going to say ah, that! you remembered! Excellent! Because <laughs> it was really weird when I watched the bit in um, in How To Daniel Bryan where Kane goes through his list of crimes. Yeah. And I'm kind of zoning out, just being like, this is ridiculous. And, and also, I, I was careful not to absorb too much of that because I wanted to be surprised for when we had to do How to Kane. So there's loads of stuff I'm sure he said, which I forgot. Yeah. And one of them was electrocuting a man's testicles. <laughs> and you probably thought, that's the one they put in to make it seem a bit more wacky yeah. and spicy. Like, that so wasn't a real... really do that one, surely. I think we should get a tick list of all the stuff that Kane has done yes. now and see if we can actually go through yes. it bit by bit. I like that idea. But the idea for this one of Kane and Shane was that Shane was had built up the reputation of being completely fearless and Kane was being pushed as being a complete figurative and literal like monster on the show. Mm. So the two of them facing off again in the last man standing, which has become Shane's kind of, you know, his match type basically, was really exciting. Yeah, because I mean, it's easy just looking over these matches that we've already covered. We've got a last man standing, a last man standing. Uh, a hardcore match against Steve Blackman. Yeah, street fight then later on. Street got, fight with X-Pac. It's he's, he's, he's big into his fights, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's hard, hardcore. Hard fights. I did like the last man standing rules graphic they showed at the start. It was in really normal font and it just said, the superstar who decimates his opponent so badly <laughs> they cannot stand up. Have you decimated? The referee's like, have they, have they been decimated? Oh, they have. I'll start counting then, you know. <laughs> Kane's hair here. Yeah, what do you think of his look? Maskless Awful. Kane. 
awful. I hate it. And he's got his contacts in. Yeah. Now, okay, this is another thing I hate. I hate when characters are supposed to be like demonic, mm-hmm. right? And they've got coloured contacts in. Mm-hmm. And then they later take them out. Oh, yeah. So that's just saying that in kayfabe, the character has contact lenses. In kayfabe, like, originally came... Like, because with his mask, you see here, like, one, like, little beady eye kind yeah. of thing. And that was them keeping that going after Kane took off his mask. Yeah, except he hasn't got it now. Yeah, now he's gotten rid which of it. Which means, what, in kayfabe, he wears Well, no, contacts. in kayfabe, Kane's, like, 50, and he's like, look, I don't want to put in the fucking contacts anymore. And like, all right, that's grand. Like, that, that's Wrestling the kayfabe. Is so inconsistent you know, with it is. what they take seriously it and is. what they don't. Shane jumps Kane to start this one. And this whole match, Kane, once again, like, Big Show the last time was treated as being this, like, monster. Like, every one of Shane's opponents is treated as being like a boss fight almost yeah. Shane McMahon versus the world you know like Kurt <laughs> Angle is like the best technical wrestler Big Show's the biggest Kane is the scariest monster Steve Blackman's the fiercest Blackman's yeah, yeah the fiercest you know you've got all these real like hard asses it's always great Shane always plays the underdog good guy or bad guy and I, I do like that quite a lot I really liked that Shane was working Kane's leg a lot in this match yeah there's a really cool moment where Shane was going to he was hitting Kane in the face with the chair and he goes to wind up and hit Kane and Kane puts up his hands and then he goes low and he smacks the chair in his legs like that's really basic kind of high low block Mm. stuff and like they never do that in wrestling no they absolutely should and it's really like hey chair to the legs is pretty fucking sore looking and it doesn't hurt you know, yeah. say it doesn't hurt like long term, like the the brain yeah, it's damage. Yeah, not going to give you brain damage. Still, you know, when you're sixty. Yeah, it still will hurt, obviously. <laughs> Kane's back is fucking disgusting. Oh, it was bleeding. It was so very much. much so. So Kane does have blood then. Yes. In in, in canon. Unlike uh, WrestleMania 2000, the game where you literally couldn't make Kane bleed. He never bled. So uh, hmm. yeah, but he can he can have blood on him. He does. He is a sack of blood. Shane's getting totally beaten up clobbered absolutely ruined Kane beats him up with stairs yeah Shane crawling up the ref at one point like grabbing his clothing trying to stand up (laughs) he gets a choke slam as well and once again you've got Jim Ross begging Shane to to stay down and uh, yes using the much much anticipated ref cuddling to get to his feet before the 10 count There was um, a couple of moments in this match which particularly impressed me. And Mm. I think they impressed me actually maybe even more than the high jumps Shane has done. Because this was not a match again where there was was jump later on, but this was less about the spectacle and more about uh, what was happening beforehand, I thought. yeah. But what he did really impressed me was he put Kane in the corner. Yeah. And then Shane climbed up the turnbuckle at the opposite side of the corner, climbed up and then jumped, hitting like a can into Kane. So from the long side of the ring, basically. Yeah, long side. That is called Coast to Coast, which is a move that Shane was basically told to nick from another wrestler, Rob Van Dam, by oh. Paul Heyman. Because Paul Heyman was like, look, if you can do this move, you'll get a big pop. It was for like a WrestleMania match and Shane learned how to do it. And it's been his, like, his signature since. Wow. I think it's the most breathtaking thing ever. How it's he does amazing. it. If you watch his feet, how he literally like, kind of goes a little bit back and forth and to gain a little bit of spring on the rope and then he literally bounces off the rope like he catapults himself to go as far forward as he can and then flip his legs out. It's so clever. And, and it's uh, so far. The noise he gets as well from those stairs, he smashed mm. them into Kane's face. Ugh. And the commentators, for some reason, Jim Ross goes, oh, those steel steps ain't made of Hershey's chocolate, let me tell you. <laughs> 
If they were, I'd fucking eat them. I just, I love Hershey's chocolate now. That's just a new thing with me. Yeah, yeah. you've really gone into Hershey's chocolate after we got sent that box. We got sent a delicious box. Which and we will talk about at some point. And uh, now I love your cheap, disgusting, amazing, delicious American candy. It's like Kevin's favourite thing. It is. Mr. Goodbar is my new favourite thing, in case anyone is wondering. <laughs> so there's no referee. He's been taken out. And Shane and Kane go up the ramp to do some more fighting. Shane gets just picked by Kane and Kane just fucks him into the Unforgiven sign as hard oh, as he can. God, it was like King of the Ring again. He throws him so hard into it, mm. just back of his head. And Jim Ross goes, and that was certainly unforgiving. Boo. Do you not like when the, like, that's what's great about the old shows during this time was that they had phrases like no mercy, unforgiven, Armageddon. Mm. Fully loaded. So they could work them into phrases. There will be no, you'll be unforgiven. You know there will be no way out this Sunday. <laughs> I'm gonna show you no mercy. You yeah. Know? I'm gonna wrestle you at a mania. <laughs> it's gonna be. This is gonna be such a royal rumble. You won't believe it. I'm gonna summer slam you. Kane yeah. beats the absolute shit out of Shane McMahon up on the ramp. And this was one of the first and only moments. This is funny. We've watched Samoa Joe. We've watched Daniel Bryan. We've watched some of Kurt Angle. All guys who've got the reputation. Steve Austin as well. Reputation for being, as they would say, like snug. In that it looks like their stuff is hidden. You know, not hurting the guy, but it's it's tight, that stuff. Yeah. But the noises and the sounds of impact from Shane McMahon and Kane... We're making you gasp and twitch and shudder. It's making how a big make noises. That, how do they make that noise without actually just hitting each and other? Open for hands real? And slap. They were, you know, they were hitting each other a bit there. Like, you know, there was contact there, but they were like they were leathering each other. I mean, Kane and Shane McMahon are not people who I'd say, "Oh man, they beat the shit." I mean, but they do right, right. here. They really went for it. Um, and Shane kept getting thrown into things, just tossed around by Kane. Yeah, like at one point. Oh yeah, the, the Spanish announce table, by the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But why is it on its own little platform? This was during a brief period in 2002-2003 where the general manager of the show, Raw at the time, which is a separate brand from SmackDown with a separate roster, noted that he wanted to have the announcers sit up at the top of the ramp because he thought it was better for business and he liked the look of it. Mm-hmm. They think it was meant to be a thing that the WCW announcers used to be up in that position and Eric Bischoff used to run WCW. So it was viewed as being like a heel, he's changing shit for the sake of it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it did change, it just gave the fact that the announcers were at different parts of the arena. The SmackDown would be at ringside, Raw would be up at the top. It only lasted like a year though. Uh. It was cool for moments like this where the stuff is over on a little platform. Yeah. You know, the Spanish announce table up there near near the the top of the stage and uh, yeah Kane dumps the Spanish announce table onto Shane it seems and it's huge those things are massive Kane is just going and you went oh my god like you were (laughs) you thought poor Shano had been killed that was it like buried literally buried by a Spanish announce table and then Shane was like oh no I was hidden (laughs) comes out fucking amazing and Shane with the knockout shot right this is like Smash Bros this moment I always find. You couldn't pay for this moment. Oh my god. Shame Man has held down the right stick just long enough and that mm. spark has gone to the sweet spot and yeah. he's just hit it because he swings this boom camera right into Kane and K.O. It's great because then the, the camera cracks. Oh, and yeah. Cracks, and then it's cracked throughout the rest of the match. And then you can see like... Just little clips occasionally from that camera. Which has got, got the big crack. crack. And yeah. you know, it's, it's not like a... 
a fake. A it's one. like it's a that's a crack. deep crack. That's like oh Jesus, that's cracked. <laughs> and Kane did it with his head. And then the moment of the night when they get to show you the footage of that happening yeah. from the camera that gets cracked, it goes dun dun. <laughs> Love it. Absolutely love it. Every single match that Shane has, I've only really realised this by talking about it now, but good lord, he makes his opponents look so great, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. I mean, even Big Show, who I don't particularly like. I mean, no one has wrestled Shane, really, in any of these matches, not come off as looking <laughs> yeah. like the best version of themselves. And if you think about it, like, anytime there's been... I don't know if you've seen many cases where it's, like, guys who aren't proper wrestlers, and they usually put in there someone where it's like, look, can you carry them mm. so at least they look like they know what they're doing? Ric Flair's son, David, for instance, was someone who was put in a ring with guys who were literally suplexing themselves and putting his hand around them to make it look like he was doing stuff because wow. he was so out of his element. And here's Shane, the guy who's not got the training, yeah. making them look like fucking stars every time. Well, it's because amazing. I think there's more to making someone else look great than just being a really good technical wrestler. Yeah, you've got to take the beatings for there's them. There's take you beatings, know? there's showmanship, there's little, like, just little things you can do, I, I think, that make that other person go over that bit more. I always just, like, you know, I always hate the fact that Shane needed to have an excuse to wrestle someone because he was such, like, a big... He was a character. He was a McMahon. He couldn't just be like, right, I'm fighting this guy this week. It had to be some sort of reason. Oh, really? Because it, like, when he fought Kurt Angle, it was the closest they ever came to him literally just saying, right, I'm going to fight you now. <laughs> because I really wish he could just go through random people and go, right, we're going to fight now. That's just it. But it had to always be a reason because he was a McMahon and because he was a storyline character, not an active wrestler. Aww. But anytime anyone got their name drawn with Shane McMahon, you got to think that there was a little bit of like, yes, Shane, <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm going to look really awesome. <laughs> so Shane is cracked Kane with the boom camera which is incredible and Kane gets up and Shane gets after him with all these fucking wires and shit they brawl on the platform and once again Shane starts climbing but Jesus oh, up again to the well one time too many it should seem so is it just you've picked out all the matches where he does this no or does he do this all the fucking time pretty much does it most of the time <laughs> it's just always going up the you time know, tron in, I think I'll just jump off that time tron again I love it love particularly when he was faced when he was healed like the match we look at next and some of his other matches he did that less but he was always doing coast to coast wow. something like that he did later on around 2008 he wrestled a couple more straight matches where it wasn't you know jumping off things and tables and ladders and all that like he wrestled Randy Orton for instance and it was quite a straight match was it a good match it was good but again I don't think it was a spectacle like these matches are you know mm. no one requested that match for instance on Twitter no one requested any of the matches where there wasn't any of the big falls and the big the so hoopla do so. you think he's only as good as his daringness well I'd say no because if we look back at the X-Pac match that's why we watched that one really yeah. to show that it's not just that you know and I mean he could have ended that match after the boom mic thing is, yeah. and it would have been fine he didn't actually need this dive I think the dive was wholly unnecessary um, where Shane dives off the Unforgiven stage. And he completely misses. Yeah, Kane gets out of the way and Shane just completely smashed through. Like Shane literally being taken away on a gurney yeah. with a neck brace on. It's fucking horrible, but yeah. Kane wins this one. I love this match. It was one of the most physical matches that Shane's ever been a part of. He was like, really, nothing was held back here. Yeah. Last match which we wanted to look at was from Shane's kind of uh, last proper run so to speak as an on-screen like actively wrestling character which was when Shane and Vince were back together as father and son in Vince's seemingly never-ending feud with Shawn Michaels 
And this led to some ridiculous moments, including one you were told about where Shane and Vince took on Shawn Michaels and God. I mean, I don't want to get into all of yeah, these. Yeah, that's one that's been mentioned a lot. It's, though, unfortunately, what I will say is those were Vince's storylines and Shane was just the backup, really. Uh, okay. And Shane's character became less of it's Shane McMahon and more as a vehicle to get Vince's storyline going. Shane became kind of like Vince's, not to say his henchman, but he was like his guy, you know? So Shane won against God. Yeah. Okay. Well, well uh, you know. The, right. The, another time then. We'll have to have a look at the almanac for that one another time, I guess. <laughs> but the one which we did want to watch, and this is a real hidden gem, and this is, for me, you know, one which I was dead set on showing you, regardless of what people were asking for, because I think it's such a hidden gem. And I do like the trend of showing you matches with good old Shawn Michaels in yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, you're into that. I'm it's just, like nearly every episode. I'm just thinking, you, you know in what, Shawn Michaels. if you can see someone wrestle Shawn Michaels, you've got a good indication of where they can go, you know? Because wow, okay. I think Shawn Michaels is pretty much, how good can you be? Right. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> he's the, the best opponent, really, in many respects. Hmm. Unless you're Hulk Hogan, that is. So we have, from Saturday Night's main event in 2006, another street fight, and a bit of an obscure one, Shane McMahon, accompanied by Vince McMahon, taking on Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid himself. So excited about this one, because even though from a storyline point of view, it makes less than 100% of sense, Shane and Vince being back together as buddy buddies, with like Shane being this, this weird boy, and Vince being this giant man who like calls him his semen. Yeah. He calls him his semen, that's... No! <laughs> Can't you wait till you have kids and you can call them your semen. Well, like Joey Styles once called Shane McMahon the bastard seed, but I think his semen is slightly. And his seed is at least a little bit more yeah. PG. <laughs> um, Shane here's got a couple of things going for him. He's got the grey streak now. Yes. He looks a little bit like Stuart Lee. Yeah, he's um, started his evolution into his final form of Stuart Lee slash Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, I think right here he's like Stuart Lee, like season one comedy vehicle currently. Yeah. Modern day season four comedy before vehicle. Before like <laughs> breakdown. Yeah, exactly. Before before the, uh, the, the fatherhood really got to him. Yeah. So Shane is fucking grey here in this role. And I love how evil and turned up to 11 Vince's character is here. Yeah. They are no longer, like, they're pantomime characters. They're like the two ugly stepsisters, basically. They're so over the top. Shawn Michaels uh, jumps Shane McMahon as Shane is doing his little dance at the start. And Shane coming out doing his dance with Vince shaking his Uh. hips and going, huh? Look at my son, huh? (laughs) Look at him dance, huh? Come on. Fucking brilliant. It's certainly a sight to behold. So Shane and Sean are beating each other up near the ring apron and Vince is just looking on. And the announcers, like dead casual, just go, Satan himself, Vince McMahon, looking on there. Yeah. <laughs> just casually. They, like. they also refer to him, Vince McMahon is a tortured, godless soul. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> All right. It's a, it's a character list for a Game of Thrones fanfic. Mm. Like, tortured, godless soul. John Lee is a tortured, godless soul who will do anything to bring power back to his house. <laughs> He's not afraid to turn a few heads and a few eyebrows. Yeah. Turn a few eyebrows. Turn a few eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> Shane McMahon, as was his uh, penchant at the time, takes out a big old ladder, climbs up that ladder. Shane is told Vince to set up some tables. And then we get probably one of my favourite moments in recorded media ever. 
Shane being thrown over the ring. The superplex. Onto the tables. Yeah. Shawn Michaels hits a superplex, which is a suplex off a ladder to the outside of the ring mm. through two big biscuity tables. Yeah. And there's good crunch. Like, John and Greg could get the back of their teaspoon and go like yeah. that. That's a good crunch on those tables. Mm. And they fucking explode through them. While Jim Ross essentially comes and goes, <laughs> The superplex! The king-sized superplex! What I loved, though, was that then you had Vince McMahon calling in paramedics. And you've got JR on commentary saying, They've been told to ignore Shawn Michaels and only help Shane. <laughs> No, don't take that neck brace (laughs) off. Not the one who can sue me, my son. Get him. I'm glad he's not in charge of the NHS. Oh, I love that. And when Shane is like completely laid out, and Vince is beside him, going, "Come on, Shane, you're a McMahon, damn it!" Shane's covered in blood. He's dead. (laughs) And that's in the first five minutes of the match. Yeah. Which I absolutely love. JR keeps calling Shane the heir apparent. Uh-oh. <laughs> Shane works over Shawn Michaels with the ladder and uh, he reads a number on him. It's nice seeing Shane here as a heel again. Mm. But uh, picking up that big old heavy ladder, not fun, let me tell you. Yeah. A lot of those wrestling weapons are a lot heavier than you would think. A steel chair, for instance. Mm. Oh my God. I remember when I did my brief wrestling thing and I was like, oh, maybe I'll come out with a steel chair or I'll creep up behind and raise a steel chair. I will in my fucking hole. It's so heavy. Well, you couldn't even lift it. I mean, I was not confident that I would be able to lift up a steel chair and hunker down and hold it and do like that because I thought it was too heavy. I mean... That's I certainly couldn't swing it when any sort of... Because, I mean, I've got chairs here at home. I don't know what they're made of, but they're some kind of metal. No, those aren't... I mean, these I are the... swing those. Well, these were the chairs that Maxer and Paul Tracy and the other guys from the American Rampage Wrestling Association brought in Ireland. So I assume that they were legit. Wow. I mean, their props guy... The, the props guy knew how to make a wrestling guitar. Ooh. You shave the inside of it so you can hit on um, the head with it and it'll explode. Pro tip. If you ever want to break a guitar over someone's head. So. That's a lot of effort to go to. Um, I love this match because anytime Shane McMahon does a move, I mean, he does like some simple moves here, like he does a surfboard on, on Shawn Michaels, a rest hold. Mm. But every move that Shane does, you get a Vince McMahon reaction gif of him going, oh. <laughs> I would love it if Vince just became a manager and just was at loads of matches. Very, he rarely did it. Even in he the height of his, great. he's a great manager here, great foil. I mean, some would argue a little too distracting that there's maybe cameras too obsessed with Vince and he's mm. too entertaining on the outside, takes away from the guy in the ring, but I think it works. I think that can be done well, though. It's all about pacing. Yeah. You do it at the right time. Heyman, I think, is, has the right yeah. spot of interfering or looking like he's going to do something but not being like camera on him every two seconds I think they're a little bit obsessed here that Vince is at ringside and they're taking advantage of that fact (laughs) we get the coast to coast attempt and this was a a move which I was very excited to see in this match it's so fucking funny what happens here because you know he's a heel now so you can't have the big spectacular heel move surely and Vince is holding the trash can in front of Shawn Michaels face and Shane does the big dive drop kick again from one corner of the ring to the other Shawn Michaels gets out of the way and he donks Vince so hard with that trash can. And Vince kind of goes cross-eyed as he slowly sits down. It's like, fantastic. Like he's, he's gotten up after having too much Toby Carver. He's like, whoa, pal. He has to go right back down again, you know? There's a big comeback now from Shawn Michaels and he starts hitting all his big comeback spots. 
Gets sweet chin music, the big kick to uh, Shane McMahon's face. And Vince McMahon pulls out the referee, though, before he can cover him, and Shane hits a low blow. And in a reenactment of the Montreal Screwjob, Shane McMahon puts Shawn Michaels in a sharpshooter, and the match immediately ends, and Vince says that Shane has won by submission. Now, the Montreal Screwjob, I only found out recently, isn't the name of a wrestling move. I know, it does sound like a great name, like of a... Of a move. Because, yeah. I mean, you've heard that... I, the reason I brought this match up as well is because I know that someone has requested Montreal Screwjob soon. Yeah. I know as well that you were maybe confused recently when we were watching Payback uh, 2016. They did. They were talking about the Montreal Screwjob again. Yeah. And here it is again. So, I'm just trying to... Foreshadowing, we could almost call this. I'm very intrigued to find out what on earth it is. I mean, you, you like... I know it's not a move. Yeah, I mean, you like the fact that there was lots of foreshadowing in Carnival, which you're watching <laughs> at the moment. I thought, well, if they can do it, uh, we can do it. We're certainly going to get more than two seasons out of this shit. So, you know, that, that was my reckoning there. So I'm, I'm trying to make you curious. Okay. Because I do think we're going to do the Montreal Screwjob before we do about the individual players. So we can look at it as an isolated incident. The players. The That's players. A spoiler. Players. So it's an event. So it's a game, is it? Or is it a show? <laughs> You'll find out. Aww. What you saw here, though, with, with Shane winning, even though Sean didn't tap out. So this is the... <laughs> this is <laughs> so kind of, It's so confusing. Okay. But, um, yeah. Winner by submission, allegedly. Shane McMahon. <laughs> what do you think of it? I mean, this is one of my favourite little gem matches. Yeah. It's only short, but I love it. This is actually my favourite of really? all the ones you showed me. Why, why was it your favourite? It's just so silly and ridiculous. And I just, you know me, I have a soft spot for any kind of um, any kind of match with a manager-esque or any kind of interference. Wackiness. Wackiness that isn't just wrestling. And it wasn't overdone as well, I no. guess. You know, it was it was all in kind of a good taste. And yeah. I love this Vince basically saying, Shane wins because I say so, because it's my company. I love, love, that. love, love those kinds of good heel antics. So I must ask now, um, having seen Shane's, you know, a lot of his big hits here right now, mm. and we've watched a lot of other Shane segments in between on the Shane McMahon collection on the network and, and further afield, and having seen him just come back now, I mean, what are your thoughts like on on Shane? Do you mean do you, as him as a wrestler? Are you excited to see him wrestle more now, as opposed to uh, as opposed to him maybe just being an on screen character? This is maybe a bit sad, but I'm less excited to see him wrestle since seeing him wrestle at WrestleMania 32. Ah, yes, because kind of put me off. That was your first Shane McMahon match, wasn't it? It, it was. I feel weird about that fact. What do you think? Because we're not, I'll say it now if you want to find out all of our thoughts about WrestleMania 32, build included, Shane and Undertaker. Patreon backers, $5 plus. We have a full review of WrestleMania 32 is up available and people seem to enjoy it. But maybe just wondering kind of, yeah, does that make you not want to see Shane wrestle anymore? Or did these matches change your mind on Shane as a wrestler since then? My only issue with... Um, okay, no, not my only issue, but one of my issues with the match at WrestleMania was that Shane seemed very tired. Mm. He seemed... Um, is it what's the term bloated I was say 10 years older well yeah <laughs> so that's the term <laughs> he seemed like out out of out of it gassed yeah gassed that's the one not bloated um so i think if he got a chance to wrestle more often mm. maybe it would be really good 
But I wouldn't want to see him wrestle just for the sake of it at main events like he did at WrestleMania. If he's going to continue being yeah. kind of a bit slow and yeah, looking yeah. tired, it just makes me worry for him. So, having seen his match at WrestleMania, were you maybe thinking with these matches coming up when we're going to get into them that you weren't maybe? Did you have high hopes for them? or No, I actually did have really high hopes for these matches because I've heard so much about Shane McMahon. I guess the Kurt Angle match probably went yeah. your whistle a little bit as well. Yeah, I-, I knew that Shane did big jumpy things mm. and I figured he was very entertaining. I knew that you loved him as well. Yeah. And oh. I tend to like the wrestlers that you like. I hope I haven't gushed too much about it. I don't think you've gushed at all, really. Yeah, well, I mean, I love Shane McMahon. So here's my time. I'm a bit confused about the timeline, basically. Because yeah. so, he left for a while, didn't he? He did. 2009, Shane left amid right. several rumours. Now, he appeared like on camera and off camera a few times. I mean, the last time he was appearing, he was very much like as a straight character, just as someone who was trying to run the show mm. alongside Stephanie, and they couldn't agree, aka exactly what they're doing again right now. Oh my God, so this is something they've done yeah, before. Yeah, they've done it before. Yeah, they've done it before. So Shane left, and his leaving was a real, real shock. I mean, as I said, there was always it was apparent that it was going to be Shane and Stephanie... And, or Shane, Stephanie and Triple H, or Stephanie and Triple H. It was not going to be the Shane McMahon show. That much was very much apparent. But apparently his leaving, and um, really did come out of the blue, but it was simply to do with he wanted to see if he could make it on his own, in his own words. Uh, in the same way that Vince had had success outside of his father's shadow and took something and went away from outside of under the thumb of his father, Shane wanted to do the same thing in his own words. He said he wanted to go out, he wanted to accomplish something of his own of his own doing. And he did a lot of things. He did a lot of very interesting things. He was involved in like, you know, a lot of um sports sponsorship work. The main thing he did was a thing called You on Demand, which is basically Netflix in China. Um he made some big inroads there. I think he's like he lost some money in some other investments and all that, but he did he's done quite successfully as far as I know. So just as a businessman. As a businessman, as a multimedia businessman, basically. Cool. And like his thing, the Netflix service that they have there in China, I mean, from what I can tell is pretty legit. I mean, I remember at one point hearing that it was going to be pre installed on one of the network operators. It was like the third biggest in China and that was like viewed as being like, you know, a huge deal for and him. He owned right? that. And he's a part owner of, of, of that among oh, other I people. See. But no involvement in WWE. No, completely. he was completely gone. Completely gone. There was no no sign of Shane. There was like the odd picture here and there, but very much so when he was gone, he was gone. Like that was it. Don't talk about Shane. It was almost like a running joke. There was this theory that Vince was quite affected by by it actually. And that he was quite upset that Shane wanted to leave and didn't want to stay. Um it was always said that you know, he could come back whenever time he wanted to come back. The door was always open for him. And he did. And he came back pretty much because they needed him. Yeah. You know, WrestleMania 32, the WrestleMania 2016, injuries and whatnot beforehand, they needed a surprise. And pretty much it was the biggest surprise they could have pulled off at the time. Yeah. You know, and they did it. And Shane is back now. The future in terms of what he's doing, is he on screen only? It appears that way. There's been no talk about behind the scenes the only thing which I would say, which is quite telling, was that Bret Hart on his podcast recently was talking about when he was backstage at the pay-per-view and said that Shane didn't wasn't seen to be interacting with Triple H or Stephanie at all. Hmm. It was Shane was with Vince. Vince would be with Stephanie, but they wouldn't be together. That's interesting. So there is this 
theory or there's, there's this rumour anyway that there is some sort of ill will between them or, or something like that and that a lot of that they're playing off at the moment is what? based on, on real feelings or at least they're attempting to position it in a way where you think oh this is meant to be you know real feelings or whatever you know God people are laughing saying that you know he should be on a podcast with Steve Austin so he could bluntly ask him you hate Stephanie what, what's that then <laughs> you damn much felt pretty betrayed when you left <laughs> God, that would actually be really clever if they had them both on in like shoot inverted uh, commas interviews. He is doing one with Mick Foley soon. Really? But again, this might all begin in the future. This all seem very apparent and whatnot. But just as it stands at the moment, his return very interesting. Very interesting timing on it. I'm very happy he's back. But I don't expect Shane to be running things. Yeah, because they're saying it's this new era, which doesn't seem to it's not. mean anything. As in terms of the backstage, it's pretty much par for the course. Right. So Shane's kind of was saying he wanted to come back because he wanted his kids to see him wrestle, which they did get to and all that. Um, he wants to be back, help out. Who knows where it goes from here. All I'll say is if Shane Wan was to leave tomorrow, I wouldn't be like, mm. I mean, I would be a bit because I think the show would be less interesting. Mm. But, you know, he came back, we had our moments, we had our match. I've seen Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens argue on Raw. I mean, I'm a happy man, and I'm the biggest Shane McMahon fan there is, and I've gotten everything I could want, more besides now. You know, I've, I feel very treated yeah. by this little run, him coming back. Did you even think that he ever would come back? No, I honestly really? think he wouldn't. That was me completely caught out of left field. Because there are so many wrestlers now which have come back, and where they're kind of getting low on wrestlers that they could yeah. potentially... Yeah, a lot of wrestlers, it wasn't if, it was when. Like yeah. Sting, for instance. It was never, is Sting going to come? Of course he fucking is. It's just when. I'm waiting, you know? And then you've got a few wrestlers that was like, will they, won't they, with like, say, China. And yeah. of course, that's obviously not happening now. But yeah, it's interesting who they will and won't bring back. But yeah, no, there's very, very few wrestlers now. They have kind of blown their load that. But Shane is back. He's a welcome addition to the roster. I like the idea of having... At least one face authority figure in Shane. Yeah. It makes a difference as opposed to bad guys getting themselves over who aren't going to wrestle, you know, ten times a week. I think that's that's some, not something I want to see much anymore. But, you know, that there's, there's, there's he's there now. He's back. We'll see what comes of it. What do you think will come of it? I think that Shane will either settle into becoming a character... And go and do other things and be like a part-time person like Paul Heyman who's got his companies and also does his wrestling stuff and appear, you know, not all the time, just here and there. Or, you know, I'm not ruling out, maybe he finds some niche in the behind the scenes and he's takes a role in a corporate level again. I mean, it sounds like he has his finger on the pulse, really. It does, yeah. To... I mean, he always, he always has. I mean, it's funny, people kind of say that, like, Shane was known for coming up with the ideas that the people didn't like. Yeah. That was his, almost. it was almost like a running joke. The Brian Wilson of wrestling. Pretty much like, you know. <laughs> Shane Man never ma- managed to make smile, but uh, no. he did make all of us smile. And maybe oh. he made you smile too. And now it's time to uh, take a look at the old tweets from How To Shane McMahon. Your ego has gotten the best of you. I mean that you wanted to finalize this deal WCW at Wrestlemania you wanted you have the audacity to ask Ted Turner himself to come down and finalize that deal well Dad, that's just the opportunity that I was looking for because Dad, the deal is finalized with WCW and the name on the contract does say McMahon, 
However, the contract reads Shane McMahon. Oh my God! I don't believe it! That's right. I now own WCW. So we have a tweet here from Jay Wheatley on Twitter. He says, go back to any Raw on 1999 and see how large his suit jackets were for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, Shane McMahon, the kid of the 90s. Big suits, big business, <laughs> big corporation, big suits. Jay Stodd 25 says, watching Shane is like watching your crazy mate who can't wrestle but jumps off everything he can climb. Yeah, I, I, for every one of me who didn't jump off, I'm sure there was five or six that did. I'm still shocked that you didn't. Yeah. I would have done didn't it. Didn't want to I break my glasses, mate. <laughs> right, little nerd kid. Yeah. Our friend King Impulse says, one of my top three wrestlers when I was a kid, when I got rid of all my wrestle toys, I kept Shane. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there's a reason my Shane McMahon figure hasn't appeared on Wrestling Move Monday, is literally because it is so beaten and worn. I threw him out the window, I threw him off the roof of my house. I can confirm this, I, I've seen this Shane I was like, figure. look at Shane, and like, who? He's got like, skin-coloured hair. It like nothing. Missing a thumb. He doesn't even look human. <laughs> he looks more like Terry Funk than he does <laughs> Shane McMahon, he's so beaten up. WD1878. WD1878 here on WWE.com. <laughs> says, if there was slash is any heat between him and Vince that Kevin knows about, it would be an interesting listen. I've, I've absolutely never heard that. Really? No. I mean, I've heard the things where like Shane apparently had the reputation for the bad ideas. Mm. Like that he used to get made fun of and things like that. And maybe that was... That was something to that. But other than that, no, I've never heard anything. I heard that Vince was really upset by Shane leaving. Now, how much there is to that? I mean, Vince being upset, did he eat one less steak wrap than usual that week? You know, yeah. what, what? how is Vince McMahon judged to be upset? I do not know. But that's what I'm hearing those two things. Shane always goes on and Vince always go on at the drop of the hat about like them beating each other up or like him beating him or him like trying to you know beat up his father like in, yeah, in that IRL. Yeah, the screen relationship is quite... Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I remember like, you know... When Vince and Shane were feuding, he's like, you tried me when you were 21. You tried me when you were 33. He's like, what are you trying to kill your old man? Like, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I, that's all I've heard. Okay. You know, and I'm sure Vince seems very happy that he's back. That's all I can tell you. Shane and Stephanie, that's where I want to see the dirt, if there is any. Ah, yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm. Jamie McDonald says, it's often said he's not a wrestler, but wrestling to me is about big moments, and Shane has a ton. Yeah, I think Shane McMahon is like the definition of a wrestler there, if you were someone who maybe just watched a pay-per-view now and then. You know, like my brother and like my brother's friends, for instance, all very strong memories of Shane McMahon because they would kind of watch the pay-per-views here and there and when Shane McMahon came back they're all like oh yeah Shane McMahon he jumped off the title and all that he's, he's a, very much a wrestler who embedded himself in a lot of casual fans over the years because of those big moments right they're very memorable and would you say that's why people sort of say he's not a real wrestler because he's I, has there been much casual... of that on Twitter or anything I've seen quite a bit of that actually well I mean yeah. in fairness he never said he was you mm. know as long as if he's going out there pretending taking a spot from someone else every I thought always thought Shane McMahon helped more he never stole a spot he always helped more wrestlers they did like for instance I remember when I said he mentioned he wrestled Randy Orton like he randomly wrestled like Cody Rhodes on an episode yeah. of Main Event before then and Cody was pretty unknown and it was just at the time I think it was just to give Cody a bit of you know a spotlight and I think that 
you know, you'd be very cynical if you're making out that Shane McMahon is like, oh, he's not a wrestler and he's taking spots or anything like that. I never thought that much about Shane at all. Mm. I always thought he, he added something to the show that no one else could, and that's why he had that spot. Mm. Reasonably Sunny says, Shane McMahon is quite possibly the handsomest dad on the planet. Yeah, I think so. I would agree there. I can't think of a more handsome dad. He's pretty He's pretty damn handsome. Yeah. I mean, out of all the McMahons, he's... Man, he's oh, you know, yeah. How he came... How he's Vince McMahon's semen, I'll never know. <laughs> the Future says, Still amazing how a pompous, rich, white boy character can become a face, but if anyone could do it, it's him. Yeah, because I think it's like, it's like, oh, there's that daredevil, and even though he has all that money, he's still kind of crazy, and... Yeah, he made it work for him. JJ Mason says, I was a WCW kid growing up and he, in kayfabe anyway, saved it from Vince's grubby hands. For Aww. that, he gets a free pass for oh, life. Oh, that's not... I was wondering at that because they did the whole thing where you know, Shane signed the contract on the last episode of WCW. And yeah, saying, so he like bought He bought WCW in kayfabe. From like his, tricked Vince yeah, somehow. He nicked it because Vince didn't sign the contract. Like it was... Uh, I always thought, oh, the WCW fans out there, you think, yeah, thanks a lot, Shane McMahon, for giving us another go at it. Like, and there is. There's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the TNW podcast says, much like his dad, he gives his all to give the best possible match. Unlike his dad, he has the athletic ability to contribute. Yeah, I mean, Vince and Shane, quite a tandem. Both of them have one thing in common, and that is that they will do anything. Shane just actually has the abilities to do anything. <laughs> Simon McKenzie says, the black sheep of the McMahon family. In other words, not a toss pot. <laughs> it's the only one that people seem to not hate on mass. Yeah, seriously. Speaking of, this is from Wrong Island, the only guy in the family that Russo singled out as being a good guy in his recent shoot video about China, where he went kind of seriously yeah. on the aggressive about the whole family, except for Shane, which he singled out as saying that... He's, he's a nice guy. Very interesting, yeah. yeah. Very interesting indeed. Chris Travers says, he was the wrestler we all reckoned we could be as a child. Yes, relatable. 100%. Looked like just a guy. <laughs> I do recall, actually, just on, on, on that note of him being looking just like one guy, I do remember particularly with a lot of friends of mine, because we had a lot of images of wrestling from the 80s and early 90s as being this hokey Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior stuff that we thought was a bit naff. And then I do recall specifically seeing The Undertaker beating up Shane McMahon in like 1999 and a load of my friends were like, oh wow, because a guy in like a hockey top and cool runners was being beaten <laughs> up by like a guy in a wizard robe. It was like, oh, maybe wrestling isn't what you think it is. <laughs> so he went a long way in that way to do that for a lot wow. of people. Team Chaffinch says, I believe Shane McMahon is the only McMahon to have never been given some kind of love interest. Is that true? That's really strange. He... They did random things where he, like, had, like, you know, ladies come out with him and stuff, but he never had, like, a recurring, you know, romance storyline. That's absolutely true. They did it with everyone else. How strange. It's interesting, isn't it? Also, they've pointed out it's whimsically awesome that Shane has three boys to Stephanie's three girls. Intergender brawl for WrestleMania 50. I'm sorry. No, it's WrestleMania, my ass. That's a Survivor Series, four on four with the team captains there. Come on. (laughs) You got a bunch of mini McMahons and two big McMahons? That shit could go down any era. Jobber's Jabronis says, the world's richest backyard wrestler. <laughs> yeah. Got one or two ones here from facebook.com slash wrestling, where we uh, always appreciate people adding in some more long-form thoughts. Interesting one here from William Young saying, I find that as I grow up, I fall more out of love with Shane McMahon. I will always have the utmost respect for him and the stunts he has done, and he's now the ability to draw all kinds of people to wrestling with his death-defying style. 
style. He is important for sure. However, I find myself getting more annoyed with his gimmick, even when I'm not supposed to. I don't like the dancing or his offense, and it's hard for me to see him as a legitimate when he wrestles in jerseys and track pants. His existence in wrestling, while totally understandable and fairly enjoyable, is also beginning to wear on me. Goodness gracious, he's gone for all those years and already he's wearing himself thin. People don't like Shane McMahon's punches. That is yeah, a big thing. I've come across that a f- a f- in a few people's tweets. The, the whiffing of the punches, yeah. I guess. Yeah. What do you think about the punches? I do think that some of the punches expose the business a little bit. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things with his feud with Randy Orton, where there were lots of you know bam 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 fake punches, like yeah. nowhere near like literally going like that. You know, rock and sock and robots. Uh. So yeah, I do understand that. The dancing, I'll never not like the dancing. You know, I guess the dancing may be stranger to new fans than it would be for people like me who know the origin of the dancing I'm guessing the fact that I mean when Shane first came out the fact that he was dancing between every punch that he threw I don't know if that was strange it's thing though I think you get used to it if you watch any wrestling you understand they've they've got their little things that they do and they just do it because there are weirder things than that than wrestlers some dresses do absolutely Christopher Holland's head writing you better change your strategy when it comes to Shane McMahon he's the McMahon people genuinely liked and connected with from the moment he was introduced, it was like he was always there, always part of the company and part of the wrestling world. We didn't have to get used to him, we didn't have to have him forced down our throats. We simply accepted him as a new part of the show, and he made things so much more interesting than it was before because of it. Never a dull moment when Shane McMahon was on the screen, and I think that is absolutely true. I mean, if Shane McMahon starts becoming boring, well then I guess it'll be time for him to go. But mm. until that moment, I'm happy that he's back on our screens, and I'm more than happy to go back and watch him jump off very tall things. And well, I'm happy just to see him on the mic a yeah. He's very entertaining. He's very well spoken as Shane McMahon. Yeah. And the way he holds his hand, the way he's always constantly <laughs> popping that collar up and down, showing off that watch. There's something about his voice, I could just listen to him talk. Oh, forever. it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely great. You know what, I tell you, Shane McMahon is number one. He's absolutely number one in my books. He's, he's totally ruthless. I love Shane McMahon. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of How To Wrestling. Thank you very much for all your tweets, match recommendations for How To Shane McMahon. And slight apologies for the slight delay, but you don't want us talking. I mean, I can't be enthusiastic about something while I'm sneezing. It's no. simply biologically impossible. Yeah. So we do apologize, but thanks for bearing with us on the delays there. Um, our next episode is one which is really, really interesting. Uh, one which was on the books for a while, and one which will now probably take a slightly different tone or approach because of recent events. Um, it's going to be How to China, this episode, which is requested by... Arnel de Leon. So we are looking again for matches, segments, storylines, thoughts and whatnot about China, who unfortunately very recently passed away. I do want to maybe emphasize that we're going to try and celebrate the life and times of China and not just have it be about her death. I do think it's important with the podcast that while obviously we're respectful and we remember and we can reflect on the death, that this isn't just a podcast about, you know, how tragic it is that someone has died. The death cast. I think it's quite interesting because, I mean, Joe's been doing a lot of research about, you know, the circumstances about her death and the reactions to it and just her life over the past few years. There's, you're going to be doing an article on that. Yeah, it's which is... certainly been interesting. My well, Friday afternoons have been drinking wine and watching shoot interviews, mostly with, like, Vince Russo. Well, what is really kind of, I think, has been a little bit lost in the, you know, last few weeks by that is kind of, hey, you know, her contributions to the ring 
she everyone was coming out with um, epitaphs and you know eulogies saying how she smashed ceilings and broke down barriers and changed the rules and all that well let's watch those matches and those moments where she's doing that and celebrate the life of china because i think that it is a really incredible career an episode i was really looking forward to doing you know obviously before the tragedy because i wanted joe to find out about all this amazing stuff that she has done and i think that even she has passed very tragically recently that doesn't change the desire, the need, or uh, the want to show Joe amazing matches about China, her stories, her segments, and almost as well from fans who maybe were watching back in those times, what it was like to have this new type of character come along. What were the, what was the impact? What was the repercussions? There's obviously some hairy moments, and there's obviously some not so nice moments in China's career, which we'll reflect on. But I do want to try and get the uh, why is china iconic well there are reasons obviously and we're going to try and get to the bottom of that so hashtag how to china twitter and facebook please make sure you're tweeting in and thank you for listening to another episode of how to wrestling and for following along with the hashtag how to shane mcmahon thanks everyone for your contributions and if you want to get your contributions in for how to china make sure you use the hashtag and follow us over on twitter how to wrestling tweet us in let us know your thoughts we try to keep up with the current product joe is always constantly absorbing and filtering out amazing happenings in the world of wrestling and weird and wonderful thoughts on the world of wrestling through the eyes of a new fan so definitely worth a follow and facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling over give us a like join the discussion on current episodes and episodes coming up and past episodes as well and don't forget your number one destination for all of our how to wrestling goodness including how to get into wrestling and some thoughts on introducing fans HowToWrestling.com, which is our new website, and it's badass. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, make sure you give us the old rating and or review. We really appreciate everyone who's done that already. And don't forget to subscribe as well. That always pushes up us in those old iTunes charts. And if you want to give back to How To Wrestling and Kevin and Joe and our podcasting exploits and help fund our expedition into the world of wrestling, patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling where you can become our patrons for any dollar amount, small and large, all appreciated. Head over to patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling but you don't get nothing for something because if you become our patron you get all sorts of amazing rewards. Tell them, Joe. I like doing this like a like a tag team. Like, Tell them, Joe. Well, <laughs> we're coming for the hot tag at the one dollar. <laughs> I can't do that. My voice is still too weak. <laughs> but uh, for one dollar backers, I mean, it's just a nice gesture of uh, supporting the show. Just saying thanks. But you do get also my episode notes for five dollars. You can follow along with our monthly pay per view review. Most recently was Payback, which was certainly an interesting the show. The first pay per view of a new era yeah yeah i mean right off i think it was better than wrestlemania but for our full thoughts and opinions you can find that over on patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling that's our five dollar back and don't forget as well if you become a five dollar backer you don't just get a payback review you also get a wrestlemania one you also get a fast lane one a royal rumble one you get one for every single pay-per-view going back to SummerSlam 2015 all of a sudden five dollars seems like very little money to get yourself huge huge hours and hours more how to wrestling content and the most unique set of pay-per-view reviews on the internet as new fan joe joins jaded old fan kevin <laughs> and you want to talk about a weird year in wrestling sting being injured oh. fucking john stewart interfering remember all the weird shit that happened this year all the wrestlers getting injured <laughs> it's been such a weird year brock lesnar and undertaker killing each other over the course of a few months it's been a weird year and relive it for five dollars 
at patreon.com slash wrestling. I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to SummerSlam this year where we've done a full year of these papers. You can look back. I'm look back. Yeah, very interesting. $10 backers, you get access to our monthly private members live stream of WWE 2K16 as Joe and I play Y2 Wrestling. What is Y2 Wrestling? Why, it's our strange, adorable universe mode where ideas such as having Greg and John from MasterChef being a tag team is apparently a thing. And we want to hear your thoughts on how to make it strange and wonderful and join us along for our monthly streams over at patreon.com slash how to wrestling and if you have to steer the hms how to wrestling in directions that you must steer it in you can become a 50 dollars backer and request an episode many of the episodes that we've been doing recently have been requested and we've got an amazing lineup of episodes coming up old and new wrestlers alike interesting stories and snippets from wrestling history thank you so much to our 50 dollars backers for really having an amazing menu of incredible episodes for us to get into and as well we had our first one there recently where someone has actually bought someone an episode for how to wrestling as a gift as a gift yeah what a fucking amazing way to spend fifty dollars yeah seriously <laughs> i mean i'm always struggling to go up with birthday presents i think that's a good one to do well you don't get to buy me an episode honey oh damn it that's not how the <laughs> show Rollins works easy <laughs> does itself like you know well that was a blast doing shane O'Mac. it's a goodbye from me kevin and a goodbye from me joe and we'll see you next time on how to wrestling where it's going to be how to China. See ya!